gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnabinium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Cody just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios. They they are the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks, Signorama.com, owned by Matt Vaughn in West Columbia. I'm trying to get a hold of Matt, uh, but uh, would love to see him very soon and certainly appreciate everything he does for the Gamecocks. Built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barndo Co. is what they're called in four states, the Carolinas, Georgia, and in Tennessee. The BarndominiumCo.com and served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. You can find Chicken Cock by pulling up the Chicken Cock Challenge on the Chief Sports app. Type in your address. And the nearest store that has it available, which right now a lot of them do this holiday season, you can go pick it up before the in-laws get to town and drive you up the wall. J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molinax, and myself, J.B., here until 2 o'clock today. We'll be joined in about an hour and a half by Brad Crawford with 24-7 Sports. Brad, of course, is in the thick of it when it comes to the transfer portal and beyond. Lots to get to on that front, right? A lot has changed in 24 hours. We told you it would. It has. And then following Brad today, we'll be speaking with Derek Scott, the voice of Gamecock Basketball, Carolina, trying to finish the month of December in a flourish 12 and one would be the record if they can get it done in the non-con and then they'd be hosting the mississippi state bulldogs on saturday january the 6th to open the sec season boy have a lot on the line no doubt about that but uh, welcome aboard we are one week away one week away from our final show of the year we'll take a break and we'll come back in january so i'm not going to be here tomorrow I'm I'm gonna go play golf tomorrow. Uh, celebrate my birthday a couple of days late, and uh, so this uh, so let me get this straight here. If I'm not here tomorrow, but yeah, then I'm not working another Friday in 2023. Oh, this is wonderful, amazing. Yeah, not bad. Okay. Yeah, way to go. So you you uh, somehow I'm out somehow I'm out. you've gotten all those off. Congratulations. <laughs> well, let's see, let's see. So next Friday. We won't be on the air. That'll be the 20, what day will that be? The 22nd. The following Friday, you'll be doing rehearsal. 
for your wedding. Yeah, um, yeah, no way I'm doing it for Palm Beach. I'm, I'm out. That's okay. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, if we had a bowl game, we're all, maybe we're the whole week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we had a bowl game, maybe you come and do a bowl special or something. But man, that's going to be a nice break because it's uh, <clears throat> old man winter has invaded Chicago land. So it's freezing. And, I'll be very happy to, uh, very happy to get, get, uh, warmer temperatures. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there, there's no doubt about that. I can only imagine what it will feel like to y'all to touch down in, in, in South Florida. Um, I want to mention this, too, right off the top. 40% at GamecockTraditions.com. Uh, it's online only. Online only. You hear me? Online only. 40% off of all <laughs> apparel. All apparel. Everything. 40% off. But the offer ends tomorrow night at 11.59 p.m. And uh, the deadline for standard shipping is Saturday, December 16th. Uh, so if, if you need to get something ordered and get it here before Christmas, GamecockTraditions.com, 40% off all apparel. But that ends tomorrow night, and, um, and you'll get it here before Christmas online only. All right, uh, JC, it has been a hell of a week for South Carolina in the transfer portal. Yesterday they picked up some more, again, as uh, Preston and Langston will tell you from time to time, butt and gut. Uh, who's the latest commitment, and um, what are we what are we watching today? DeAndre Jules um, was the commitment yesterday from Pitt. Uh, I think you guys know I'm, I'm really high on the guy. Uh, I think he's a kind of a grown man, bigger kid. Some people are going to make a big deal out of his stats, but I would encourage everybody that D linemen sometimes, especially on the interior, they, they don't have the, the best stats. You know, they, they don't – that's not a measure of their production. A lot of times the measure of their production is their ability to eat blocks and keep them off the linebackers and dis, be disruptive, and there's no stat for disruption, right? Um, so I like him. Uh, you know, I think that uh, – when you look at you throw him in there and you got Jerome Simmons coming in, uh, which, you know, you can't really, because he's a later Juco guy, you can't really sit there and, and pencil him in in the 2D yet. Um, he'll have to go earn it. But this is kind of a ready-made guy to go in and compete with your Boogie Huntleys and your Taka Hemingways and your TJ Sanders of the world. Uh, and really, I think it's a nice solidification piece. Uh, you know, Tank Booker, should have been that guy last year, but they came up short in the portal and with NIL with him. He went to Arkansas. Amazingly, he transferred again. He's he left Arkansas the other day. Mm-hmm. Back in the portal. <laughs> so Arkansas rented him for a year. Uh and Craiger mentions Nick Nick Barrett. You know, Nick was hurt all year. Just like JT Gear was hurt all year. You know, so he those guys getting healthy will help that room across the defensive line as well. Um, and you know, you, you need depth there. You, you probably, frankly, need more than three. I mean, it's ideal you have five or six you can roll throughout the game. That's what Brad Lawing used to do. And, uh, needless to say, Brad Lawing didn't really have a ton of depth. He manufactured depth when he was here because he trained up guys like Aldrich Fordham that could go in and give you three or four snaps, uh, in a situation or a Byron McKnight at end that could go in and give you some snaps, uh, guys like that. Because if you notice on offense, they don't substitute the offensive line a lot because it's all about cohesiveness. So in the, in the fourth quarter, 
if you're fresher on the D line and the O line's been out there the whole time, you know, obviously, especially in the South where, you know, 70% of the games are in warm weather, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're going to have an advantage uh, in the fourth quarter. So the hope is, is that this guy, uh, you know, ends up being a, a big part of the rotation next season. And uh, like I said, I like it. I love him a lot. I think, uh, I think Coach Narduzzi had a bad year. I still think he's one of the best talent evaluators and talent developers in the game uh, as the head coach there and their D-line coach. I mean, so I, 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 kids from Pitt, I, yeah, I, I'm down with that. Uh, plus, he went to high school in Maryland, uh, which is where a lot of uh, South Carolina's roster is coming from right now, the Maryland, D.C. area. So, um, you know, as far as my quirky, quirky geography lessons, I always like to give. With recruiting, it fits that for me too. So I'm, I personally, in my opinion, was fired up about that one yesterday because I thought, yeah, that's, that guy makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think one of the things that'll be interesting to watch as we get into spring ball is, you know, is what are they going to do with the defense? Um, you know, are they are, are they planning on just trying to get the dudes to, you know, go back to more of a four down t- style of, of defense and play that here, or are they? Or are they more so wanting to stick with a three-three-five, but just have a ton of depth at those three positions? Basically, JC, I, I don't think we really know. My, my guess would be, okay, well, all right, let's let's back this train up a little bit. First and foremost, they're not eliminating any of it. They'll always be able to do both of that, both of those things. But I, I'm interested to see what more their standard style of defense will will be. Clearly, the three-three-five was pretty. Uh, pretty pretty effective late in the year, um, and you know that might be something that they're aiming to do. But they're definitely adding a ton of depth in the middle of the defense up front. So I I, I don't know I don't know what it's yeah going to be. it's interesting. I, I think you probably see both. But um, when you're talking about doing a three three five and uh, Darius Drew Tuby's I'm gonna move inside the tackle, so he's gonna be in that mix too next year, and he's got the same thing. Um, uh, you know, I keep getting asked about Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith because I guess they didn't they didn't have the Garnet Trust signed tweet or whatever. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. I, I kind of like the, what they're doing with the sign, you know, signed deal, but that, that really didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Nick's, Nick's coming back until you hear otherwise, and so is DQ. DQ, there's never really been a question about DQ, um, but just kind of knowing what I know about Nick, I don't think there's any war concern. Uh, there at this point, uh, I can't completely close the door on him because he's a freaky six four receiver. I mean, sorry, six four safety that a lot of people know about. So you never know; um, things sometimes pop up out of nowhere. But uh, I, I don't know. You know, that's uh, that's the deal there. Back to the subject, though. It's um, yeah, and they're at BA period. They're not taking any more linebackers, by the way. So they got their linebackers. Uh, it, the three man first. So, so, so think about who you have next year. Okay, so you got you got those those three that actually started in the three man front. So then you got uh, you got a kind of a nose tackle guy in Simmons that you can use to get you some beef in the middle. Um, at, at edge, is it going to be Drew Tuizama? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Desmond Des, Desmond Umiazulu. Uh, is that going to be your guy? You need to get him ready. He's talented. He's ready at the second year. It's go time. Um, is it Bam Martin Scott from that other linebacker spot? So you, do you stand 
uh, Desmond up. And then I think the answer to um, Dylan Stewart is you probably do stand him up. Uh, I could see a situation if they do go more three-man, JB, where Bam Martin Scott's the starter there at that outside spot, but Dylan Stewart is actually backing him up as a freshman stand-up linebacker type. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that there is some personnel uh, to kind of work it out there. Um, you know, I don't think they have a bunch of big 265-pound, 270-pound ends to to run a 4-3 the whole time traditionally running around. So they may have to mix it up. Now, does that, that mean those guys aren't down with their hand down sometimes? No, you could do it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, just kind of playing around in my head with where does Dylan Stewart fit because – all the portal talks fine, but you do have one of the best, probably the most college-ready defensive linemen in the last couple of years coming to your school. <laughs> so, and you got he's going to play. It's just a matter of where. Uh, and I kind of like, you know, given the emergence of Martin Scott and kind of that role that Bam had down the stretch, I, I think Dylan would maybe maybe fit there as a true freshman. Um, just because he's there at his high school, they stood him up a lot, moved him all over the place, so he's used to it. So. Gonna be interesting. Um, I got a text from a friend of mine right before we went on. It's like, boy, if the defense isn't good next year, it's definitely coaching. <laughs> there's some talent. I mean, uh, yeah. there's no yeah. doubt. I, I yeah. thought there was enough talent this year to be better than they were. We I said that for months, and people mocked me like I'm some moron, but no. I was right. Um, they they had plenty of talent on that side of the ball to be better than they were, and uh, and they weren't. They needed to make some sort of adjustment. I thought that was coaching. I thought that was an issue. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all. It, I don't mean that. But clearly, when they made the adjustments to put their talent on the field in ways that, w- that would allow them to be more successful, <laughs> it worked, right? It worked. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we sat there and watched it for two months, and we felt like things weren't being adjusted to what it, to, to utilize what they had, their skill sets. Yeah. And, um, yeah. J.C., it, it proves look, I'll be, wouldn't, man. I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't think – I mean, it's not like we both sat here and said, "Go to a three-man front." I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sit here and claim that. No, that was the answer. I just thought I didn't know the answer. I just knew they had enough yeah. talent to be better than they yeah, were. Yeah, and, and we ended up being right because once they figured out how to stop putting their players in bad positions, i.e., one unfavorable one-on-one matchups and uh, getting a little more pass rushing on the field and. You know things like that. I mean, it affected the entire that entire side of the ball. You know that alignment ended up uh, ended up being very effective. You know, yeah. from, from uh, you know A and M was a good start with it, and you know I know Jacksonville State they struggled, but that's a special prep, and sometimes you're going to struggle uh, with that. Um, Vanderbilt shut them down. I mean, Van- Vandy said that Vandy was not a good football team, but the Gamecocks really held them to like lower than their standard on offense. Hell, Kentucky to two touchdowns and out of the end zone and then Clemson. So um, it was a good finish for the defense. And, you know, I, I think it was shown kind of like the offense the previous year. We're all sitting around going, this offense isn't that bad, uh, talent-wise. You know, and, and once some adjustments were made now, you know, Clayton White figured it out for himself. Mark Satterfield was never going to figure it out. But – um I think we saw those last few games that, hey, this defense has some players and uh, everybody's back. So, except Marcellus Dial, 
Uh, you got three freshman All-American safeties sitting back there. You got O'Donnell Fortune's back. Judge Collier's back and played a lot as a sophomore. Uh, Vicari Swain is a player that will probably step in and play a lot at corner next year. Um, your linebackers, Stone's back. Bam Martin Scott's back. Uh, Mo Caba, I think, will be back. But just wait and see on Mo. I mean, I, I don't want to – I wouldn't put any kind of – like pressure on that guy, right? Debo Williams is back, your heart and soul. Pup Howard is back. I mean, you got you got some guys. I mean, they've you know, it's it's been. JB was right. It's not because they don't have players. They've got players. The personnel you have in the right way. I mean, we saw an evolution <laughs> there, which was good. I mean, even though it, it took a while to get it going, but you know you. You schemed it up for the individual talents of the players on the field, and we saw yep. benefits from that. <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly right. And, uh, that is exactly right. So now you're talking about two big time defensive tackles that are going to be joining the mix, uh, an experienced linebacking core, and a bunch of all Americans uh, in the secondary. I, I agree. This this defense should be gra- uh, drastically improved. Young talent on the edges, and. Um, we haven't even gotten to the schedule release, so that's coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, the SEC, everybody, everybody has to go through the gauntlet. Nobody escaped it. Nobody. Everybody's got a stretch. You can look at South Carolina. You can look at the end of the Florida season. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, everybody's got a stretch, but luckily the Gamecocks at least get four quarters to try to work the kinks out this year instead of being thrown right into the fire. So let's step aside. Uh, We'll get to that. And also we'll get to a couple of visits that are happening today on both lines of scrimmages. And how about Juice Wells? Um, I received a phone call last night with all sorts of information, some of it that can be spilled, some of it can't. Um, But let's say that JC and Tony are spot on. It is fluid. And it is not over for him to return to Gamecock football. So hang tight. Gamecock Traditions, 40% off online only. GamecockTraditions.com. If you've got our app in your phone, you can go right to it and pull it right up in there. Or just go to their website, GamecockTraditions.com. Shipping deadline, standard shipping is Saturday. But that deal ends tomorrow night at 11.59. GamecockTraditions.com. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet-style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. It is 11:23. Welcome back. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is right around the corner. We are 10 days until Santa hops in the sleigh and starts taking a little cruise around the globe man can i wait i'm i love santa claus so i'm the i'm the kid who's still here at uh, 38 years old phil uh, doesn't get a bed on time and i staring through the window and antsy on the yeah, that's totally it so milk and cookies the whole nine yeah you get it, get yeah it. yeah yeah i'm a big milk and cookies guy well generally year round but especially on christmas eve uh, there, there's no doubt. Uh, so 11 days from Christmas. Merry Christmas to all you and all of your families. Can't wait. Um, to kind of balance things out here a little bit, I, I do want to slide into what we had revealed last night. We'll come back to some – we'll come back to recruiting and juice wells and things like that, but we want to – we got Brad Crawford coming up in an hour, so we want to make sure we get all of this as balanced as we can. Uh, I guess maybe I didn't realize, guys – what a what an opening weekend 
next year in the SEC. Uh, not for the Gamecocks necessarily. You, you, you'd like to think they're going to take care of Old Dominion at home, but Miami is at Florida on August the 31st, that Saturday. Uh, you got Georgia and Clemson and Atlanta. Uh, you've got uh, Notre Dame at A&M. We mentioned that yesterday. You got Virginia Tech at Vanderbilt. Ooh, man, come on, Bandy. And then that Sunday, September the 3rd, you've got LSU and Southern Cal and Vegas, and we mentioned that as well. I just didn't put it together that all of those games were being played on the opening weekend. That's 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 pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it was kind of lackluster. It's been lackluster the opening weekend, lackluster the last couple of years. But, uh, I mean, to the benefit of South Carolina and North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Clemson and Duke. But uh, this Three. year, yeah, it's big time, big time stuff. Yeah, uh, you think and, a week zero across football of any account for FBS teams? I, I don't think so next year. Weeks? I don't think so either. I mean, you yeah. got a 14-week schedule here with two buys. You, know? you don't need that. You yeah. don't need to do that. I don't, I don't believe. But, I mean, it's, you know, hats off to the SEC for even, I mean, week two with the same thing, guys. I mean, Gamecocks get that road test at Kentucky. Well, you know they're going to be venomous when they get there. Uh, having now uh, been defeated by Carolina twice in a row, um, and that's a challenge. That is, boy, they're going to Carolina needs that one. Great goodness, but you've also got Texas at Michigan that weekend. I get, you know, didn't realize that was being played till last night. You got Tennessee and NC State up there uh, in Charlotte. Mississippi State is out in the desert at Arizona State. Uh, you got Cal at Auburn, uh, and uh, you got Arkansas at Oklahoma State. Pretty interesting little matchup there. Really interesting matchup, as a matter of fact. Uh, what do you think about that? You got that. I mean, week three, Bama's at Wisconsin. I mean, like there, there are some tremendous non-conference games. Of course, the Gamecocks will allow LSU to walk right into Williams Bryce in week three. So, you know, you get you get Old Dominion, but then you got to go to Lexington, and then you've got LSU. It, it, it heats up quick. It does. Uh, I like the Old Dominion. Being the opener though, because you always want to win your first one, and uh, it's at home. And probably, my guess is, with all the other great games, it'll be that nighttime uh, ESPN Plus kickoff, like Georgia State was, and kind of like um, Eastern Illinois was. Uh, Lexington's kind of interesting because you know everybody. We sat here all year when Kentucky started five and zero, and we're like. Ain't played nobody, ain't played nobody. Well, Kentucky <laughs> opens with a cupcake. And actually, they don't. They open with Southern Miss next year, which is not a cupcake, but a winnable game. But then the Gamecocks and Georgia roll into town back-to-back. Right. <laughs> weeks two and three. So there's no opportunity for Kentucky to uh, to uh, get off to that cushy 3-0 and start like the Big Ten schools do uh, next season. So – uh, it's just interesting. This schedule is interesting. I, I I continue with the theory that the SEC, you know, rolled around a South Carolina schedule and, and talked about it before they put everything together and discussed well, who hadn't they played in a while and where. Well, they hadn't been to Tuscaloosa since 09. Ole Miss hadn't been to Columbia since 09. Uh, and um, LSU hadn't been to Columbia since 08. So they put those in. All right, well, who gets a trophy? What trophy games do they have? Well, they have A&M in Missouri. And they're like, okay, well, my God, that's – that's murderers row. Give them Bandy in Kentucky, since they're going to be playing Kentucky regardless, and call it a day. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, it's like, hey, all right, trophies and uh, who hadn't they played, and uh, yeah, those guys. Let's go. Yeah. Um, uh, it was funny because I, I was uh, I was cutting up some clips for our 
uh, YouTube shorts page and stuff today and went back through Cloniter's interview yesterday. And he literally said, I hope they don't do something like put Ole Miss and Alabama and Oklahoma back to back to back. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. I think, I think maybe you had a tip on that. I don't know. It was just kind of funny. So, um, but you look at it, you know, the one thing about LSU, they're not going to have Jaden Daniels. So that's good. And I think that they'll be battle tested somewhat because they play out in Vegas, but that'll be a road environment for them at Williams Bryce. Uh, you know, Ole Miss has been really good the last few years, but it's still a program I think South Carolina always oh, should match up with, especially at home. Boy, they they scare me in 2024, man. <laughs> All yeah. everything that they're returning on offense, gracious. They might Carolina, be the best offense in the league next year. Carolina should be good on defense next year. You know, we just, you know, so. But it, it's a, if it was in Oxford, I'd be like, oh, God. But it's in Columbia, you know. Gamecock's got a home field advantage. And, you know, you don't know what A&M's really going to be under Elko. I think in time they're going to be really, really good. But they also have to come to Columbia. And mm-hmm. they, they've lost some roster pieces. Uh, Kentucky, I'm back on the train that Carolina should be Kentucky every year. Since they've done it too, it's time to keep that going. Right. And then I don't, you know, unless Vanderbilt, Vander, now Vanderbilt could very well go, since they have NIL money now, according to reports, they may very well go and like scour the FCS level and put together an all American team and be pretty damn good. Or they may be terrible. <laughs> so you don't know. And you don't play them till later. Uh, Missouri does have some returners, returning players that are good. Uh, but at some point, Carolina's got to uh, got to break that streak, right? Especially it's the trophy game. The SEC put it on the schedule for a reason. So, um, and it's in, it's in it's in Columbia later in the year where we'll know more about both those teams. So, it looks daunting based on who was good this year, and then anytime you have Alabama and LSU on your schedule, it's difficult. I mean, it's going to be hard. Uh, yeah, they're so yeah. good. You know, they're, they're, those teams use hard to match up with them on lines of scrimmage. Right. But uh, uh, other than that, you know, um, we'll, well see. I, and, but, I mean, to the rest of the SEC, too, I mean, when you add Oklahoma and Texas, uh, you get some good things here. Uh, for, first of all, you've got signature games every week. Like, there's never a week where it's ho-hum. And Phil's got the, the actual schedule for the Gamecocks up on the screen now, as you can kind of see what it looks like. Double buys, seven home games. Uh, and uh, with the exception of the back-to-back trips to T-Town and Norman, um, it, you know, it, it is very manageable and balanced, to be honest with you. But but the SEC in itself, I mean, like if you I, – I, I, I circled all those non-con games in the first couple of weeks, but when you, when you get into league play, I mean, South Carolina at Kentucky is the quote-unquote signature SEC game in week two because it's it's the only SEC game in week two. Uh, so, you know, that's probably going to be whatever the – or it, it might be whatever the if, – if they do it that way, ABC, if they're going to do it how CBS does, is that going to be their signature primetime game because it's a conference game? Or will that be Texas at Michigan? But Texas is at Michigan, so Michigan's going to have the TV rights to that. So that's probably going to be on Fox. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out how a lot of this is going to work. And then you get into week three, and then you've got signature you, – you've, you've got another signature game. You've got potentially LSU, believe it or not, at South Carolina if the Gamecocks could beat Kentucky. If not, you've got A&M at Florida. 
Um, you've got uh, Georgia at Kentucky. And then from there, it's it's kind of that pick-your-poison type schedule. I mean, think about this for a second. Things we've never seen before. So Tennessee at Oklahoma in week four. We all know what it's going to be in week five, Georgia at Alabama. Oh, wait, hey, by the way, did you realize that Oklahoma's at Auburn that week? Yeah, but Georgia's at Alabama, right? So the state of – the Yellowhammer State – on Saturday, September the 28th, it's going to be freaking nuts. You got all these folks coming from Oklahoma to the plains of Auburn. There will be no hotels anywhere within a 200-mile radius. And then you've got the dog fans barking in T-Town. And so that's going to be crazy. And then the following week, you know, here you go again. You got Auburn at Georgia. Well, generally, this there's no doubt, right? Like, like Auburn, it's Auburn at Georgia. That is a signature game. We'll see what the – you know what they look like and then the week after that you got for the first time ever in the sec texas at oklahoma oh did did you not realize that florida plays tennessee that week i mean think about this that's florida and tennessee's week jc phil that is florida and tennessee's week but the red river shootouts also that week so not anymore i mean you got old miss at lsu that week down on the bayou you know the following week alabama uh they're at tennessee Alabama's at Tennessee. That's that's the signature game, right? Well, I mean, hey, look, Gamecocks hit the road for Oklahoma that week. Uh, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, it, you've you've got wait, it's Alabama at Tennessee. That's the third. That's the third Saturday in October. Yeah, yeah, right. That's their weekend, isn't it? Guess who else plays? Georgia at Texas. Yeah, just looking on at the that same day. Texas, I yeah. mean. It is crazy. Like, just I, I was thinking about this last night. Every single week, you've got something that is just makes this league stand out above all else everywhere. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, week eleven, the same thing. Alabama at LSU. You'd think that's going to be the signature, but. What about Oklahoma at Missouri? Is Missouri going to be good again? Georgia's at Ole Miss next year. Are they both going to be as good as they were? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that this schedule every week could have two, three, four, five games that you just cannot wait to watch. Yeah, that's a, when you add Texas and OU into the mix. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because you, you, you kind of look back through history and you know, who has come into the SEC? Well, there's been well, there's four teams, Carolina, Arkansas, uh, A&M, and, and Missouri. And if you look at the totality of, of, like, what those teams did, the bottom did not fall out on Carolina till like, they were six, seven years in. The bottom has not fallen out on Missouri at all. In fact, they've gotten better as a program. Uh, A&M's still been the same <laughs> that they were in the Big 12. Uh, and Arkansas, by their third year in the league under Danny Ford, won the SEC West. So th- there's a track record there of schools coming in that maybe don't have the history of Texas and OU and not struggling, you know, like people thought. That said, these are the big dogs, right, from, from the Big 12. These are the guys that show up in, in, in a lot of games. They could just roll it out and win. Right, they can go beat Iowa State if they try just a little bit. They can go beat Kansas if they try just a little bit. They can go beat Baylor, and then sometimes they'll take an unexpected L or five. Yeah, 
Right. Yeah, that's true. And well, but, I mean, but because they're such big name brands, the SEC programs from the top to the bottom, they're all looking forward to those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're going to get everybody's best shot from this league every week, just like they did in the Big Twelve, except these teams in the middle of and even toward the bottom middle of the SEC are exponentially better than the bottom third of the Big Twelve. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. I mean, it 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 has enhanced everything. Rivalry weekend is always headlined by Auburn and Alabama, right? Uh, You got Florida, Florida. So we we know who it is: Florida, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Gamecocks, and the Tigers. The Egg Bowl is played on Thursday. Anybody see rivalry weekend coming up in 2024? Texas at Texas A and M, and oh wait. Oklahoma at LSU on the same yeah. day. I mean, what what in the world is going? Where, how do you get all these games to where everybody can watch? I mean, it, it really it you're going to have no divisions, and every single week something is going to happen. Every week, every week in the SEC. Here's my prediction next year. I have no predictions. That's what it is. Every week something wacky is going to happen. Everybody and, finishes seven and five. I mean, it it, it honestly <laughs> like it could. <laughs> And and they'd still have half of the twelve teams in the playoff, because I mean it's just going to be ludicrous what's going on here. And, and that's one of the things. Like, is when I saw the schedule last night when I was watching it unfold, one of the first things that I thought about, guys, and I mentioned it just a little while ago, is everybody has a gauntlet. Like nobody escaped this. You can't. You cannot responsibly look at the twenty twenty four SEC schedule in a whole. And have one opinion that says, "Well, this this team, man, they got out of it easy." No, they, no, nobody did. Nobody did. I mean, Georgia from September twenty eighth to October the nineteenth, they have to play in Tuscaloosa and they have to play in Austin, Texas. I mean, <laughs> it, like, it's a different like when. Everybody. We're looking at it, right? The addition of Oklahoma and Texas, because it you does. know we've all been conceptualizing it, and we know, okay, okay, we're going to end up playing Oklahoma. But then when you're looking at this thing, and you're like, wow, man, some of these matchups, it's like, I mean, it's it's probably a safe wager to say there is not an SEC team that comes out without a loss. Yeah, no, I agree. A hundred percent. I think you're exactly right. And and like, that was one of the, when I looked at the skit, it initially looks very fair. It always plays itself out every year, of course. Right. But it yeah. looks very fair. And when you get it very fair like that, teams are going to lose games. They're, they're just going to lose. That's just what's going to happen. It's it, they're going to lose when your league is really good and really deep and the schedule is really fair. Teams are going to get beat. And, and so, you know, um, I think you're, I think you're on it, Phil. I think, uh, you know, every single team has a gauntlet that they're going to have to go through, and I don't think that any of them are going to be able to get out of it. Um, and um, and then at the end of the year, we'll kind of see where it stands. But, I mean, the, the seventh best team in the league next year might be 9-3 and three and yeah. should be in the playoff, you know. I mean, that could be Alabama. Like, that could be Georgia at 9-3. and three. And should be in the playoff, but they just happened to get beat at Texas and lost a heartbreaker on the road in Tuscaloosa, and I mean, it's crazy. As the people crazy. talk about going to nine games, and we're sitting there looking at all these at this eight game schedule, <laughs> right. and going, "My God!" And people don't want to go to nine. Well, I mean, and yeah, let I, me and let me tell you, this is my opinion. This is my opinion on this. 
how many coaches in a minute actually I say coaches but really like it's like guys like Charles Waddell like at South Carolina Charles Waddell and everybody's got one of these guys everywhere who makes a schedule right their job is to create the schedules how many of these guys woke up this morning looked at their future schedules and said hmm yeah mm-hmm Yep, yep. Let's see here. We've got Notre Dame, and uh, yeah, we're going to have to find a way to get out of that because this crap is insane. You know what I mean? Like, I I got a feeling that now that it's being seen on paper, you know what I mean? You know what I mean, Phil? Like, you're seeing it on paper for the first time, and you're looking down the road at 2027 going, yeah, mm -hmm, right. Yeah, let's see. We've got Georgia Tech. And we've got Michigan both on the schedule that year. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to buy ourselves out of these, and we're going to play Furman and um, the school of the deaf, dumb, and the blind because we're not doing this. You know what I mean? Like no way. No way. You're going to have so many forward-thinking schedulers at this point. It was like you know what this needs an HBCU. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm gonna You're going to you get I'm... the most woke scheduling ever at this point. Because they're like, no, uh-huh. no. HBCU and Ivy League, come on. Yeah, that's here. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to tell you Remember what he was thinking. the last time the Crimson played at williams Bryce. Yeah, you know. Coming in 2028. Somebody, 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 uh, yeah, somebody call North Greenville and get their asses down here for the weekend. Yeah. I'd sign a 10-year deal with Charleston Southern tomorrow. Yeah. There's right, no right. doubt. Well, you play I, play them nine times at Williams Bryce and uh, <laughs> play them once at Johnson Haygood. And they'll bring in temporary bleachers. Well, here I, I'll bring this a little bit closer to home. I mean, we're a long ways away from this, but I could tell you right now in 2033, the Gamecocks ain't going to Boone, North Carolina, to play App State. They're yeah, already Gamecocks, working on getting out of that deal. I think that one was supposed to happen this year, JB. Oh, uh, they've they, kicked they keep, it, and they've they kicked it. Kicking I think they're trying the to kick it so far down the road that App State goes to hell with it. We'll, I, we'll back out yeah, of the deal. Unfortunately, yeah. I do yeah. think it was Ray that did it. But Charles, uh, Eric Hyman and Charles Waddell, when they were heading it up with Hyman, I, I don't know what Hyman's issue was. Maybe it was because you do get paid for going on the road. But, man, they would schedule some dumb games like uh, at UCF. In 2013, why are you going to UCF? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, or I, I guess I guess at that point maybe they thought because they schedule these things like seven, eight. I mean, even sometimes decades in advance. So, but they but Hyman and those guys schedule it. They go to UCF. I guess they thought that you know Carolina's not good enough to ever get to the Citrus Bowl, so we'll give the fans a chance to go to Orlando. Um, the East Carolina road game that Beamer had to play his first year. That, that had gotten kicked that had gotten yeah. kicked down the road for about a decade, because <laughs> Skip Holtz was the coach in East Carolina when they signed that deal. They played once in Charlotte and however many other times, and then this App State thing's been on the on the way for a while. And uh, I was just curious as to how in the world uh, that stadium up there, the Rock, I guess what they call it or whatever, in Boone, how are you going to accommodate? With, with South Carolina, when the visiting crowd probably would be sixty six percent of your total capacity of twenty eight thousand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how are you going to fit? Like Gamecocks haven't played in a stadium that small 
in a long, I mean, I think you'd have to probably go back to like 87 when they played at Wake at Groves Stadium mm-hmm. in Winston-Salem. It's about 30,000. And uh, I, I remember specifically Bob Fulton and Tommy Suggs on the radio call that day that the Gamecocks had them outnumbered big time. I mean, there was just a sea of garnet and black in Winston-Salem that day. Well, uh, you know, they need, they, I'm just going to go ahead and, if we still have this show in 10 years, and we, we probably will still have the show in 10 years. Uh, hopefully, JC and Phil and I are running things from somewhere somewhere in a, in, on an island. Uh, but um, but um, if we do, I'm going to make the call now that, uh, that that game actually will not be. That game that they're supposed to be playing that day in Boone, it'll be played in Williamsburg Stadium against a team named, like, you know, John C. Smith College or something. Uh, it won't be App State in Boone in 2033. The, 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 fle- the fledgling USC Upstate Spartans will come to town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's it's like right. Newberry's yeah. coming to town. You know limestone. what I mean? Like, oh. It's scheduled yeah. limestone. limestone. Uh, yeah. Limestone. Sonder, not this island, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, come on. Come on, Sonder. Bluer waters, my man. Bluer waters. That's, you know, Georgia's already looking down the road going, Oh, let's see. Oh, Georgia yeah. scheduled like a freak show. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we got to yeah. go to Ohio State. Yeah, we're not going to make that trip. Uh, we will be staying right here. <laughs> let's mean, see. Oh, at Louisville <laughs> in 2026. Nah. Nine. <laughs> no. For as, good, as much as, as much as much hell as Carolina's admin catches, <laughs> South Carolina compared to some of these schools scheduled very reasonably. I think Alabama and. 2028 opened back to back with Ohio State and Notre Dame. Alabama, Alabama um, is Nick Saban has scheduled everybody under the sun. I I, I know we got to go to break here, but next next year in 24 they go to. Well, I already mentioned this. They go to Wisconsin in 25. They go to Florida State and then they host Wisconsin in 26. They go to West Virginia and they host Florida State in 27. They go to Ohio State and host West Virginia in 28. They go to Oklahoma State and host Ohio State in 29. They go to Notre Dame and host Oklahoma State in 30. They go to Georgia Tech and host Notre Dame. I mean, do I need to keep going here? Yeah, they, 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 fi- even, they fix in 2032. JC, they go to Minnesota. You're Alabama. Tell Minnesota to kick rocks. Like, why do you need that game in 2032? You don't. But they're not going to play it because somebody's looking at this going, eh. They've already adjusted, too, because that Oklahoma Oklahoma State-Notre Dame back-to-back, that originally was Ohio State, but it looks like they've kind of broken it up. Georgia has one year where they had Florida State, Clemson, and Georgia Tech in the the non-conference. Yeah, they fixed that. They did. Georgia, (laughs) Georgia, Georgia and Bama just were like, well, just hey, hey, hello. This is the University of Georgia. Yes, we're scheduling games. When would you like to play? You know. <laughs> um, but then there's other schools, man. Like we we complain around here. Carolina's kind of right in the middle of all this. Like Ole Miss is playing at Charlotte. Yeah, probably so, yeah. just around right at the yeah. time Biff Bogey buys enough players uh, NIL money wise to get them good. Um, I think Vandy goes to Georgia State. I think something. And there's somebody else that goes to Georgia State too. It may be Ole Miss going to Georgia State as well. Missouri next year has a road game at UMass. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? UMass. Uh, why? I, I don't know. I don't know. 
they schedule funny. I mean, they've they they've got uh, road games at San Diego State. They go to Northern Illinois later on. That they are not afraid to go group of five road trip tripping. Well, uh, Northern Illinois probably be the worst road trip you could possibly make. It's in basically a suburb of Chicago. It's like somebody's trying to fill in a map cab. of states they've been to. Yeah, it's like, like you know well, you're gonna go. They're gonna get uh, to know. go roll at the at the Dave and Buster's, you know, yeah. pregame meal at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> uh, Maybe a little Foga de Chow if they win. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what? What? what there, there's no. I mean, because like I see, like Ole Miss went to Tulane this year. I see that. There's a lot of Ole Miss alums in New Orleans, especially one famous one, Archie Manning, and mm. they recruit New Orleans, and that's the mouth of the mighty Mississippi River. By God. So that is a holy city for many in that state. So if you got to go play Tulane every once in a while, you got to go play Tulane every once in a while. Yeah. But I get that. I get Ole Miss going to Memphis. You know, it's right there. I I, I totally understand those things. I don't understand Missouri Missouri going to UMass or Northern Illinois. Um, even out west, like Vandy went to UNLV. Uh, I think Mississippi State's going to UNLV at some point. San Diego State is another – Missouri road trip. I don't, I don't mind those exotic ones. Uh, Mississippi State's going to Pullman, Washington to play the Cougs. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those those kind of West Coast ones can be fun for your fans. But why would you go to UMass? That's uh, like, what, yeah, I, you know. Uh, well, I, I would think, I think that, somebody's like, that going would be to, a, a Kentucky yeah. move. You know, like Kentucky, like we're sitting here talking about this 24 schedule and how difficult it is for everybody, and Kentucky's going, uh-huh, you see? You've been making fun of us for all these years. That's why we scheduled Toledo and Tennessee Tech and Eastern Michigan next year. Well, why don't you go to Toledo? Oh, that's an idea. Then that'd be a road game. That'd be a challenge for us Wildcat fans. You know, they... Oh, it, no, no, it, no, no, no. No, no, but you got to come there. Just- Actually... No, if, no, you would, JB. if you were to nope. pick out one schedule next year, I would say of the 16 and say they've got potentially the lightest schedule in the league, it's probably Kentucky. It's probably Kentucky. Because they, they, they don't really have a true back-to-back-to-back gauntlet like every other team in the SEC does. No, they got, a, they got two, Carolina and Georgia, but that's it. Yeah, but they're both at home. Like, yeah. they don't have to come. Yeah. Right, like nobody else has anything like that. Like everybody else that has the gauntlet has to at least, like that has a gauntlet, at least has to travel at some point in time. Yeah, they're at Ole Miss, but then they're off and they have Vandy, but then they're at Florida, but then and then Auburn comes down at Tennessee. That's probably the closest thing to it is at Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee. Yeah. But no, you're right. Then another off date, then the great Murray State racers come in. Well, and that's they, they, that's and they have at Texas, yeah. Uh, at the end, have, I, go to the swamp and go to Knoxville. Yeah, that's true. That's I think Texas gauntlet. is Texas is is not. It's not a gauntlet either. I mean, you know, a respect for schedule Colorado State in your opener and Michigan on the road at UTSA. Those are all good teams. Um, God, they don't even uh, Texas doesn't open the SEC SEC play till the fourth week of September. Against the, Mississippi State, yeah, yeah. the fifth yeah. week of the season, fifth week yeah. of the season, and then they yeah. play Oklahoma, then they play Georgia, but then at Vandy, then they're off. Then Florida comes to town. Who knows what shape the Gators will be in by then? Uh, <laughs> then they're at Arkansas. That's tricky in November. Uh, the Kentucky and at A and M. So yeah, the Longhorns. 
they're not necessarily getting the big old challenge that first uh, first years. There's, it's uh, it's that Oklahoma Georgia back to back is what it is for them. Yeah, it's Oklahoma Georgia back to back. Yeah, that's two huge games. I mean, everybody yeah. like Vanderbilt starting in week one and finishing in week fourteen. That's their gauntlet. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Um, you know, and then A uh, and M kind of similar thing. You got um, in the in the middle of the year, you've got the you got LSU coming to town, and then you got to go to Columbia come come face the Gamecocks. Um, and then at the end of the season, you've got Auburn and Texas. Uh, you know, you mentioned with Texas that it, Oklahoma, Georgia is kind of there. Like that's the you know for a team like Texas, a team that wants to get to the playoffs, that's going to be their back to back prove it weeks. Um, Tennessee's got Florida and Alabama in back to back weeks, and then it kind of splits itself up from there. So those are their two. Um, you know, we know about the Gamecocks, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Oklahoma right there in the middle. I would say Kentucky and LSU at the beginning too. But um, and then same thing, you know, with Oklahoma, you've got you've got uh, the Texas, you got Carolina coming to town, and then you've got to go to Oxford. But at the end of the year for them, that that's it, man. Oklahoma finishes with Alabama at home, and then in Baton Rouge, Whew. they gave um, up Alabama. <laughs> And See, LSU, final two weeks of the year. I mean, you could do that. Well, I'm doing this with every single team. Like, how much time do we have? I mean, that's Hell about different what I'm having saying. to play Baylor at the end of the Nobody year. else. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the country cannot possibly look at their league schedule and say anything. I mean, Florida, Florida, if you haven't paid attention Dude, don't talk to the schedule, Florida. starting November the 2nd and ending on November the 30th, <laughs> Billy, Napier, Billy Napier better hope he gets fired on the off week, October the 26th. I mean, they – here, look, they've got Miami and Gainesville, and then they've got Samford and Gainesville, and then they got A&M and Gainesville, and then they got to go to Starkville. They need to find a way to start 3-1. and one. Then they got to beat Central Florida at 4-1, and one. and then they got to go to Knoxville, and then they've got Kentucky coming down. They need to be 5-2 and two because here are the final five. They've got Georgia and Jacksonville. Then they go to Austin the very next – there are no off weeks, boys and girls. These are five straight. Jeez. Georgia and Jacksonville. Then they go to – Austin, Texas, and then they come back home to host LSU, and then they've got Ole Miss walking into town, and then they go to Tallahassee. Oh my God! You know, like jeez. <laughs> I mean, and you would have thought, as you know, politically, the University of Florida is is one of supposed to be one of the, the more influential schools in the league, right? Florida, they're always talking about it. You know, Florida's wanting this, that, and the other. In a year hey. where they screwed up and scheduled three out of conference in state power fives, right? Uh, which was mad respect for them doing it. And they probably didn't realize UCF was going to be in the Big 12, but uh, UCF's in the Big 12. They're going to want to take Florida's head off. So is Miami, uh, you know, and then you got FSU on the road. And, and even Samford guys, uh, y'all remember that. I'll remind everyone that the year uh, in 2021 when Mullen got fired, the game after he got fired after they lost to Missouri, they played Sanford on Sunbelt Saturday or SoCon Saturday and had the Gator – Sanford had them down like 38-6. to six. Yeah. And, and yes. then they came back and beat them 54-52. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so even the Sanford Bulldogs maybe, you know, shed – man – 
it, it that those first few games are hard enough. That's a that's a tough September. That's a very tough October. Although two of the three games are at the swamp, and then it's like, oh no, no we're not finished. <laughs> and I mean, you know, Georgia and Georgia's neutral site, but then at Texas and then at Florida State and then LSU and Ole Miss both come into town. My gosh, my gosh. Well. <laughs> I, it's there's a, there's a lot to I mean if Florida it, it, nobody has a stretch like Florida does there nobody has that um, that's that but everybody has one nobody escapes it Ole Miss has the I'd say the the purest drive or easiest drive to a five and zero start next year their their first real test is in Columbia against against the Gamecocks and then they've got to go to Baton Rouge the very next week. Um, matter of fact, I think they play the most games without an open date in the league uh, to start the season. Yeah, they do. Their first seven weeks, they'll play. Mm. So, well, I go. see that Wake Forest road game they've scheduled. See, they they'll schedule or they'll they'll head to a terrible stadium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They won't lose that game. I, I, I bet they're oh Furman's on their schedule too. Great. I bet Derek yeah, Mason doesn't. They won't lose the, that game. I bet Middle Tennessee doesn't cross the fifty against those guys. Yeah, they won't lose that Derrick game. Derek Mason's a terrible liar. What the Blue Raiders? Raiders. Oh, I'm not here. The full South Carolina schedule, of course, available on Gamecocks online. All right, back into the portal when we return. Brad Crawford is ahead. So is Derek Scott. Going to be a fun Thursday here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks! One door open, 
ends while another one closes. Dad, please, can we please go today? Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock, owned and operated.
America and barbecue is a great combination. Welcome back. The national anthem played every day at noon on Inside the Gamecocks. The show is very proudly presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Carolina Barbecue Sauce. Dot com boys and girls i mentioned it earlier it better be santa's going to be delivering gifts in 10 days 10 days we can help him for all of those that enjoy good rubs i'm talking about seasoning pervert <laughs> and sweet heat sauce and carolina gold barbecue sauce and things like that this is the ticket to the holiday season i promise you we're doing guys we're switching it up at our house this year we're doing ribs on christmas day you're kidding me no i'm not kidding we're doing ribs. generally we've met we've you know we're pretty traditional but we do shrimp and grits and things like that from time to time we'll do that on christmas eve this year we're doing ribs on christmas day well look no further there it is billy g's is gonna have half the ribs with the sweet heat the other half Carolina Gold. And, of course, it'll all be seasoned with the uh, secret spice. So the code is ITG23. You get 10% off your order. CarolinaBBQSauce.com. And here's even better news. Here's even better news. Maybe you don't like the sweet heat. That's okay. You're not going to offend anybody. I mean, you might offend Billy G, but don't tell him that in his face. He'll he'll probably punch you you in in your mouth. If you don't like the sweet heat, you can get just the Carolina Bold mustard-based sauce and if you don't like mustard-based sauce which then something's clearly wrong with you but that's okay you can still order a package with only the sweet heat and you still get the rub i mean they've made it so easy carolina barbecue sauce.com this holiday season put it in your stocking and make somebody's dream come true other than you know getting a big hug and a kiss from jc or something like that Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, look! If you, if you don't like the sweet heat, I don't know what the problem is. And the but even if you don't like sauce, the the secret spice, the rub is unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. you put it on anything. Yeah, I love a good dry rub. That's definitely a good dry rub. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. All day long. Um, Craig says I'm not seeing forty percent off apparel on Gamecock Tradition site. It is on the home page, Craig. It's on the home page. The discount will be taken uh, when you get to the when you uh, get it in your cart. The discount comes off in the cart. All right, uh, welcome back, <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Wants more info. Must be talking about the the rub or the sweet heat or both. But he mentioned rub. Rubbing the Oh man, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I hear you. Well done. Well done. All right, uh, welcome back uh, again. Brad Crawford ahead in 25 minutes and Derek Scott ahead in less than an hour here on Inside the Gamecocks' show. Big day again, JC, uh, at the ballpark. Carolina is going to welcome a couple of uh, welcome a couple of transfers to campus who are visiting. Um, I understand that one of them is a now becoming major target on the offensive line and – they have a defensive end in too from the ACC. Is that true? Uh, Kennard from Georgia Tech, and uh, what's the kid's name? Morris, Morris Malone, something like that. I he kind of popped up on me last night. Uh, I think he's. I think he would be a good offense. I'll put it this way: I, I think for South Carolina's needs, 
and considering what happened this past year, he would be a good take at tackle if you can get him. Um, I wouldn't. Monroe Mills, that's it. Thank you, Luca. Uh, I don't think I'd run to the mountaintops with bags of gold and give it to him. You know, if they be the catch my drift. Uh, Kennard is a player that I, I think the coaching staff's a lot higher on than maybe I am personally, which is fine because I'll defer to them on that. They they really like uh, his game on third pass rushing ability on third down, and uh, I think they do need pass rushers. Uh, I, you know, Dylan Stewart's going to be fine. I think uh, JT Gear when he gets healthy will be fine in that department, but you need more than that. I mean, you got to have guys, and, and Brian Thomas is a good pass rusher. Don't get me wrong, so is Bam Mark Scott, but I mean, you need like dudes, you know, to rush the passer. And Kennard's that kind of guy. You know, Georgia Tech wasn't that great on defense. Neither was Pitt, but individually they had some guys that could go play some ball. So that's uh, that's the deal there. Um, yeah. LT Overton is still in the mix. I reported that this morning. The kid from AM, he's visiting Bama. Who knows what will happen there, but there's still a lot of communication there to the point where I wanted to rule him out, you know, and I was told, no, 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 no. No, just uh, hang in there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's good. But, uh, hey, you know, I, I think that um, it's still shaping up to be a good portal class. There'll be more folks in this weekend. Uh, and then we'll kind of have a better idea of exactly uh, who they'll have. But it, it does look like if they can hit on some of these additional targets, they'll really help their roster, really help their roster. Yeah, I, look, I, I think that um, – I think right now it's hard to classify this – this portal hall is anything other than a to to this point a raving success. If you, if you look, if you believe in rankings, and um, I I would say that uh, rankings, especially portal rankings, um, probably that that they don't need to be the Bible, but um, they're certainly something that you can use to give yourself a good judge of of what your program is doing in the portal. Carolina's seventh in the nation and, um, you know, with five commitments right now and, uh, they got a chance JC really to, you know, over the next few days, if, if some of these things come true to maybe be up there close to the tip top of this whole deal. Um, you know, and, and, and as you've said, you've said this for a couple of years, and we talked about it extensively, I know, last year. The, the, the portal, the reason that I said if you believe in rankings and, and don't take it as the Bible, because it isn't. The portal is there to fill the, fill the gaps, right? To help you fill your needs. Like, so you're going to have a portal ranking. Like, you might have, like last year, Colorado, I think, was number one, right? And but, well, that's because that's they had 7,000 players like that they took guys, in, in the yeah. portal. So, like, you know, Carolina, the Gamecocks aren't going to do – they're going to they're gonna bring in a hefty portal class, but, like, they're not going to bring in 30 or 40 guys. So, the whole point of the portal is, are you satisfying the needs of your football team? So, that's why, you know, you got to – that's fine. Like, the rankings do matter, but also, like, who are you signing? And going into this year or going into this portal season, I think – if I'm, if I'm incorrect here, you, you stop me, but – the three positions of need based on what happened at the end of the year and who entered, who left, you know, entered whatever. 
the three main positions of need, the two clearest ones, which were defensive tackle and running back, receiver quick, uh, quickly became a concern. And uh, and then, you know, I'd probably throw a quarterback in there as well. They, they're going to have to sign a quarterback, J.C., and then from there, probably defensive end, you know, maybe offensive tackle, things like that. Well, so to the to their credit, the five guys that they have, they have – and Simmons is also considered – or uh, he's, a, he's a JUCO guy, but he's coming in in this class. So you've got Jules. You've got your two running backs. They're going to take a third running back, and they've got two wide receivers. So they're satisfying the needs up front. Like, it's not like they just took a, a commitment from a, you know – a defensive back who's who's going to fill in, you know fill into the second or third string or something like that like plug and play guys they're adding them right now in the positions that they need to add them in so so far so good yeah you know I saw someone mention corner I, I don't know that I agree with that I think um, if they and I do think that if they found a great one they would take him obviously because of course I was talking to Bill King earlier today on his show he. He made the point, and he's kind of right, that, you know, it's hard to play corner nowadays. There's not a lot of great corners in college football these days because it's so – there's so many great receivers. There's so many great quarterbacks, so many different offensive schemes, that kind of thing. Uh, but they're not just going to waste a scholarship. I think, you know, O'Donnell Fortune coming back helps the need there a little bit. Uh, the fact Judge Collier played a whole bunch last year was pretty good doing it helps. Uh, Vakari Swain, you know, don't give up on him. Somebody wanted to move him in the chat box to receiver. Well, they're not going to do that because he may be the best corner next year. Um, I would have moved him this year because you needed more umph on offense, but I'd have probably moved him, his right, moved him right back to corner um, if receiver was uh, filling up like it is. So, uh I think that, um, you know, I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you, you just kind of kind of look and see how it fills out and uh, all that. Uh, LT Overton, obviously I mentioned him earlier. Gamecocks are still in it. I'm not confident, but I was told don't shut that down right just yet. So we'll see uh, that. And uh, I, I haven't heard anything on trail about the Florida State guys. I, I would doubt the running back would be a guy. I think they know who they want with the third running back. Uh, they love DJ. Lund- I mean, I don't know why the old staff never went on Lundy hard out of high school because he was probably going to come here. Florida State kind of got him late, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that. I, I just don't know that they think they need a linebacker in this class uh, from from the the portal. Uh, I think with everybody back, and then you're bringing in Wendell Gregory, um. You know, at that spot, I think I think they feel pretty good about that. And Fred Johnson, and Fred Johnson, don't yeah, forget Fred, about him. That's my guy. That's He's my probably, guy. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot about him, but they Fred Johnson. Yeah, they oh, love. And look, I'll tell you, people people ask me all the time about I love who was going to who's who are people trying to flip and stuff. Fred Johnson, let's just say he got a lot of suitors this fall, <laughs> and they had to do a lot of work to try to get get him. Well, uh, he's got a great name, Fred Johnson. That is a Badass linebacker's name. Right I there. mean, his name is Fred Johnson. He'll knock you into next week. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of his already. He's going to have 150 tackles next season as a true freshman. Big fan, big fan. Yep. 
at least he's playing in the middle of the defense and he's not like a safety or something. That was one of the positive amount of this year is, you know, our leading tackler was not in the secondary. (laughs) (laughs) It did come from the front seven. (laughs) Brick killed a guy. Brick killed a guy. I think that's going to, that's where, let's see, let's get Fred on here. We got to give him a nickname. He's going to be Brick Johnson moving forward. Brick Brick Johnson. Brick Johnson. Now that's a linebacker name. That's the name of a linebacker, Brick Johnson. All right, whatever. It's a 12 18. Uh, let's go ahead and step aside uh, because we do have Crawford at 12 35, uh, which is kind of a kind of a, a, a tweener time for us with our breaks. So let's hit that. Uh, when we get back, uh, we'll get to Juice Wells. Juice, of course, is in the transfer portal, but could he be just maybe transferring apartments in Columbia and staying? In the Midlands, maybe there is uh, some juice to that. So, <laughs> no pun intended. Nah, but, uh, hang, hang tight. Long. It's the Christmas season here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for Sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise, Inside the Gamecocks, and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. A merry little Christmas Let yourself be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on, our troubles will be miles away. 
Here we are as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more Through the years we all will be together If the fates allow Until then we'll have to muddle through somehow So have yourself a merry little Christmas now No question about that. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built the Barndo Go uh, Co. and powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. You don't have to be in the Low Country to purchase one. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. If you're still scratching your head on what what's the big gift, what's the big gift, what's the big gift for your son or daughter or both, husband, wife, whatever. Electric, just take a look at these things. I'm telling you what now. You you might be surprised. You might have thought I'd never spend that much money. Whatever it is, I I, I you might think differently. I, I I would venture a guess that many of you have. Uh, actually, I know that you have. So, electricbikescharleston.com. Electricbikescharleston.com, of course, the sister store of uh, Charleston Fitness Equipment as well. And uh, I'm a proud owner of the Hydro Rower, so I give that uh, the, the the as many votes as I can give it from an endorsement standpoint. I cannot thank the Wilkins family enough. And uh, this holiday season, as you're eating too much and drinking too much and gallivanting around and doing all the things you shouldn't do, uh, these suckers can get you back into shape. Electric bikes, rowers, whatever it is. Uh, keep yourself healthy from Electric Bikes Charleston and Merry Christmas from Charleston Fitness Equipment. All right, Juice Wells, guys. Uh, so, JC, I um, I uh, got an interesting phone call last night. And, um, of course, never – do I ever second guess or anything like that? Anything that Tony Morell reports or that you report. And uh, that's not what I'm doing here. It actually confirmed it all. Um, found it very interesting that, you know, in some scenarios, uh, I mean, can we, we probably could just be honest about it, right? Like grass maybe looked a little greener. Um, you've got a few key people involved in helping make decisions. I think that's fair to say, JC, and um, it looks like, you know, maybe some of those things that initially were on the table are going to probably not be on the table moving forward for one reason or another, and um, the future of Juice Wells outside of Columbia, South Carolina, seems like, uh, not that it won't happen, because it absolutely, 100%, that is very much a possibility, and if you ask me to choose today, I think that he probably won't be back. But there is a chance that he does return, and that could change at any minute um, as his options kind of decrease and the things that matter in for, for him and his future kind of does, gets a little bit of light shed on it. Is that a, is that a good way to say that? Where, um, you know... His um, the, the next year or so of, of college football for Juice Wells kind of is what it is. And, and there are only certain things that 
can satisfy those needs, and South Carolina is still in that basket. Does that make sense? Get your mic on. Oh, get your mic. JC, we cannot hear you. Cut your mic on, JC. Can't hear you. Go ahead, man. There we go. Can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Great. Goal is no. We had this big long message on YouTube. Fix your mic. And my (laughs) mic's been fixed, folks. Uh, Yesterday was internet related. And I think I know what it was because one of the kids was home and they're gamers. And the oldest one has this big, gigantic gaming computer that downloads all this stuff during the day. I mean, this thing's huge. It's like, uh, what's the name of the, the the computer from 2001? Sam or whatever the hell it is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this thing scares me. It's alive. And, and I think he was download, downloaded something yesterday. And I also remember during that ending when JB's trying to drag the recruiting info out of me because the, the my, uh, Nat was microwaving something. And so that always screws it up. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm, I, the, the mic's fixed, but that I just had the, the mute button on. My bad. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I think that – here's the thing. There's, there's two ways to look. There's the football aspect of it, and there's the non-football aspect of it. The football aspect of it says South Carolina needs a wide receiver one. Uh, nothing against Jared Brown and Jaden McGowan and, and whoever else they get out of the portal at receiver and the guys incoming like Gatling – and Mazio and the guys on campus. There's none of those guys that are as proven at a high level as Juice Wells. Juice Wells, had he been healthy this year, first of all, the Gamecocks would probably been better than five and seven. Secondly, he's probably at least a second round pick. Is that good? Even in this loaded receiving, you know, the guy can high point it. Uh, he's great after the catch. He's strong enough to break tackles. Once you get him in the open field, he is get separation as good as anybody in the country um, barring like a bad 40 time at the combine had he come back and, and picked up where he left off there's no question in my mind he'd have been a high, high level pick uh how yeah it's how how the, yeah. the 2001 computer how i thought it was sam anyway so all right so fast forward what happened happened you can't do anything about it um he uh, probably could have played, just to be honest, the last couple of games. I'm not going to say that for sure, uh, but uh, good authority, he probably could have gone. Mm-hmm. Elected not to. Uh, protected another year of eligibility because now he has two left instead of – although he could have played in at least one more game and still been a red shirt. So there's that. And – um and so a lot of that happened. So then, he, you know, NIL-wise, the South Carolina made him a deal that, honestly, got, honest to God, based on the the numbers that were thrown around out there, and you never know because I think everybody around South Carolina, uh, all of our folks, kind of walked around thinking he was making a million dollars last year, and he wasn't even close to that. That that's not it was it was a really good deal. Uh, right. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a million dollars, not even close. Uh, he's got a ton of Park Avenue deals. He's, he's got great relationships with brands and with those guys. I mean, really solid money in that end too. Um, the deal that South Carolina could have, and I was on this end could have been made. 
you know, could have ended up paying him more at the end of the day. But there are certain things you have to do, you know, not go and pay. You can't go pay for play. You can't require them to pay. But you can you can backload things and just kind of make sure, you know, out of an abundance of caution. And I'm not talking about backloading all of it. I'm just talking about, hey, you know, you didn't play last year. Your NIL value is da- – I mean, if you're just evaluating from a straight NIL standpoint, you know, your value's down because you didn't play. You know, um, here's the deal. Let's get this done. And so South Carolina's deal was perfectly okay. And uh, – but then there's rumors out there. Well, Texas can give you this. Tennessee can give you this. Uh, so I chat with a source over the weekend. He called me. He's a college football source, has has connections in a lot of places. He's the one that told me Florida State's got one foot out the door of the ACC, and it's for real and all that, and I believe him. Uh, but he's got some connections to Tennessee. And he said that Tennessee's not going to go on the kid. No. And, and here's why. It's not the injury, and it's not the money. It's kind of how he handled it at the end of the season. Co- coaches and collectives, the, the two C's, the CNC Music Factory, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, well, I got, I, I, they, they're I, not they're they're not going to chance that on a kid. I mean, especially receiver, where if you're Tennessee and Texas and Ole Miss, you have plenty you have plenty of talent in those spots. You know, why, and you you've got other needs you maybe need to fill. Yeah, I, it, JC, it is highly unlike. Um, you you mentioned Tennessee being out of this thing. Um, it, it it's highly unlikely he ends up in Austin, Texas, too. So yeah. you know, I if it's well, not Oxford, I mean, right now, if it's not Oxford, and and again, you know, look, all this, we say these things, and this happens to you way more than me, because <laughs> you're the reporter on the Big Spur. Uh, we're about to include Brad Crawford into this conversation in just a quick second. This happens to him way more than me because he's a reporter uh, and, and does all the digging with 24-7 sports. Uh, that's not my job. I hear it, but I don't have to report it. Um, so what I'm about to say is, or what I'm saying is, in this new era of college football, you can say he's not, based on what we know, he's not doing this and he's not doing that, and it can change in five minutes. Yeah, it can oh, change. Yeah. Like you're just reporting what you know. So what I know now, and I – pretty sure this corresponds exactly with what you know though texas and tennessee aren't happening and ole miss is very much in it but it less than they were less than they were and 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 that that could dwindle away as well so i i don't know my point is i don't know what his future looks like but you know tony when he reported this two days ago, I think it was right. Isn't that when Tony, Tony's the first one yeah, to say something? Two days ago, yeah. Tony was on it, and 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 he's probably even more on it today than he was two forty eight hours ago. Yeah, and look, if you're South Carolina and you're just looking at, just looking at the same, uh, you know, at the football aspect of it, and, and I told Brad this for his article he wrote, South Carolina's a WR one. There's not many in the portal that are WR ones. You know, I don't know who ranked London Humphreys ahead of him in the 24-7 ranking. Yeah, that yeah, come to on. me that's silly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know, there are not many no. WR ones out there. Sorry, uh, London. So if you're South Carolina, you know, I, I, I think you, you you try to work it out from a football standpoint. But there's more to it. I mean, there's team. There's you know, and, and look, I, and I said this yesterday, and people were like, um, "Well, no." Uh, they mentioned something about handling it, screw handling it internally. What I meant by that was 
the relationship between Juice and his teammates, if it is damaged, and I don't know that it is because I think most, most people love Juice around the building. If there's any damage that's been done, that's got to be handled in the freaking locker room. It's not for us to decide. Um, if there is anything like that, they'll have to fix it. But uh, I think it's a lot easier to get somebody to embrace the prodigal son than it is to go bring in someone new uh, in this situation, given the landscape of that position in the portal this year. What's up, Brad? Brad? Crawford. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? What's Good, up? Brad. Good to have you. Yeah, go ahead, I, Brad. We've been talking about juice. Uh, you got anything on us? I think it's very poignant what JC said about those inside the program still like him, and that that's the key in all this. There seems to be a segment of the South Carolina fan base that doesn't want juice back, and I understand that based on what's going on, but – you have to understand South Carolina is not in a position against two programs coming off double-digit win seasons to be telling a top-end wide receiver one like Juice, we don't want you anymore because you're asking too much. Of course they, they welcome him back. And any say, anything said opposite of that is just false. That's the nature of the beast in new college football, unfortunately. And like I said, I, I understand the portion of the fan base's frustrations. Ole Miss and Texas, you guys have mentioned, are two that – we're all keeping an eye on, but my sources in Oxford don't feel as good about Juice Wells as they did say 72 hours ago about a possible commitment. And you look at Texas, those I've talked to, their number one target in the portal is not Juice Wells. It's a Houston kid. And they obviously want to add Juice too, but um, the, the Houston kid's probably going to be a, a cheaper route for Texas. And they already got some guys coming back next year. So I think as, you know, Juice hasn't announced anything yet, but as the days wear on, and the closer we get to next week's early signing period, the chances are growing that Juice could return to South Carolina. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that, uh, Brad. And, and and like you said, um, hey, look, they're, they're inside that building. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand why people – look, if I was a teammate, knowing what I know, we, we'd be having a conversation, you know, and it'd probably be a little bit more than that. Let them work it out, though. That's what that's what it's all about. They're men. They'll figure it out. Um, you know, and, and you've got a coaching staff that understands the same thing that you just said. Like, look, we, we just went five and seven. Uh, we're about to debut a quarterback who's going to start his first career game against Old Dominion next year. Sure would be nice to have an All-American catching passes out there yeah. to help him kind of get his way along, right? Oh, yeah. This this has yeah. been a very strong portal hall too. I I want to mention for Shane Beamer, even if he doesn't retain Juice Wells, I don't think he's done yet either. No no team in college football has flipped the running back room like South Carolina has done. I actually just spoke to Jordan Waters, and the Gamecocks are still in contact with him, the the Duke running back. And like JC mentioned earlier today, I do think South Carolina is looking at a third running back to take. They're going to sign a quarterback, probably another wide receiver. So. This is a top 10 transfer class right now that could be even better this time next week. We were just talking about that a little while ago. I want to I want to get your get another quick comment from you on that because the rankings the rankings only matter if you feel your needs. Like sure. if you don't feel your needs and you know you can look at rankings all day. Uh you might have brought in 17 corners but you you don't need 17 corners. Um but you know Carolina Brad the as of the end of the season, when when Juice announced he was going to transfer, obviously Leggett was leaving. You knew what was going on in the running back room. You had to add there anyways. And then all of a sudden, Mario Anderson decides he's going to do whatever the hell he figures out. 
to do with himself. Uh, and then we knew the defensive tackle position. That was Those were the three at the top. You're not going to take good player. You're not going to not take good players anywhere, but those were the three. And then you got, we need a backup quarterback or at least somebody to come in and compete with Lenoris, who's got some time in college football. And but here's my point of the five that they have, they've, they've addressed the needs. They're about to double down on addressing the needs. And then they're going to address it on top of that. When they add a quarterback right now, it could be AJ Swan. And it's not like this is a portal cycle JB where there's a ton of high end running backs. The Gamecocks have got commitments from probably two of the top six right now. And if, if they were to get Duke's Jordan waters, he he's a top 10 guy at the position for me too available. So I don't, I don't think there there should be much worry offensively heading into January if they're able to sign three running backs. Dow Loggins, you know, this time last year was looking at a converted wide receiver as his first string running back, a Newberry kid that had not played major college football yet, and then Juju McDowell, who is just too small to play, you know, a significant carry SEC guy. But there, there's not going to be a lot of mystery back there, I think, when the Gamecocks open spring practice if they do have three new scholarship guys. And like I said, I, I expect them to add a third ball carrier, probably another wide receiver. You would like to get a wide receiver one. They're, they're high on the coastal guy, but I'm, I'm not sure if he's a wide receiver one at, at the SEC level. But I do think Beamer and his staff can, can sleep easy during the holidays with no depth concerns at those spots. Yeah, I, hey, I'd like for him to add a receiver or two as well. And here, here, there's some me, possibilities out there. I'll just say that. I can think. I ask it, the two of you a question on this real quick on, on the receiver situation? Or sure. I mean on the, the ranking situation. If Juice Wells recommits to South Carolina, does that affect their transfer portal ranking since he's that's in the a, transfer? That's a darn portal? good class then. You're you're talking about a top three <laughs> class if they sign the top <laughs> get credit for him again, huh? That would be crazy. Because <laughs> if, uh, if that's the thing that gets the fan base juice, then every year. Jane needs to take his like top five players, tell him to go in the transfer portal and recommit to the Gamecocks, and let's have that number one transfer class every season. Man, back uh, back when I was at Rivals, we counted guys, and we fixed it at twenty four seven. We counted guys twice, like we we had no way technically to take gray shirts because you wanted to calculate it on signing day, and then the gray shirts would technically arrive in the next class. So. I remember one time Alabama got – and Auburn fans went nuts. Alabama got credit for the same five-star kid like three times, and dude never played. <laughs> he was just a bust. Uh, it was back during the Shula era. I'll have to look up the exact player, but he like – he gray-shirted, and then he got hurt, and he gray-shirted again. So he was like two years delayed enrollment, and finally – and he counted all three times. <laughs> it was the high school ranking. It was crazy. Yeah, I I think – I think uh, – you know, I think with Rocket Sanders, t- tell me about Rocket Sanders, you know, because there's some discussion in the chat box about this. And uh, I'll remind everyone, football development sometimes isn't linear, especially when you're dealing with injuries. Everybody seems to forget about that, like when they trash Carolina's O-line, uh, next year's O-line preeminently. They're like, oh, well, you know, you know, still these guys were walking around on one leg. Talk about Rocket 2023 versus Rocket 2022. I think it's noticeable on film. But give us your insight into kind of what went into his struggles in Arkansas this year. Well, and and I'm going to say this too, Jay. So for the for the folks worrying about the Gamecocks offensive line and and, and if if Rocket can have a thousand yard season, the Arkansas offensive line was supposed to be a strength under Sam Pittman. It's been anything but. They they haven't had a good O line in his several years there so far. 
And Rocket two years ago had 1,400 yards behind a not-so-great line. This past season, obviously, he was nicked up with a couple injuries. Um, I, I spoke to one of our Arkansas writers. He thinks Rocket played too heavy last season, and he lost some of his explosiveness because he played at 235, 240. I don't think he's going to play that heavy at Carolina. He's going to probably be a, a 225 guy. And at, at 6'2", 225, I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for in a quick SEC running back. He's also a good threat out the backfield, just like Attaway is. And, you know, we're, we're going to see a uh, RPO-heavy offense next season. Lenore's is going to run the ball a little bit too. So I think it'll be interesting to see if this 2024 Carolina offense looks a lot like the Arkansas 2022 offense. And I found it interesting because Dow Loggins was the O-line coach at – uh, tight ends coach, excuse me, two years ago at Arkansas when Rocket had those 1,400 yards. And I asked the Arkansas source, did he have a hand in play calling? And he said unofficially no, but, uh, you know. Officially no, you mean. Right. He Yeah, he he thinks he did. Um, so okay. I think we're going to see uh, ground, ground and pound next fall. Can, There's can a I lot add, of Arkansas can I add stuff something to in, that? in the playbook, by the way. I want to I want to add something to uh, that conversation with Rocket Man. Um, anybody know who the one of the assistant strength coaches is now at South Carolina? Jamil uh, Walker, who was the head strength right. coach at Arkansas when Rocket Sanders was in prime shape in 2022. Uh, he came over and joined the Gamecock staff prior to this past season in 2023, working along Luke Day. You think he doesn't know Rocket Sanders inside and out and what he does and doesn't do well and what that body's supposed to look like? He's the one that trained him when they flipped him into the running back room and he became an All-American. I mean, yeah, and that's nobody, one name that has not been brought more up. Tackles. Like, no, no. Nobody broke more tackles two years ago than Rocket Sanders. Um, you know, Like I said, he played behind a line that – he wasn't getting three and a half, four yards of carry before first contact. He was having to make guys miss as soon as he got the handoff, which is what Gamecock running backs failed to do this past season. You know, I, I blame a lot of the running game struggles this fall on the offensive line, but it was a talent issue too. No, no disrespect to the guys that were in that room. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, a great there point. Were, there were some plays too, especially when the carry on was getting the – because I think as far as playing too heavy goes, there's your example of guys playing too heavy. Uh, even early, you know, he'd have a hole, he'd hit it. It's a four or five yard gain, but the uh, he's getting tracked down from behind. You know, Rocket Sanders goes through that same hole. The band's playing. I mean, in most even last year, Brad, uh, and he was a step slower when you watch. But you watch his game when he was he's healthy against Florida. Eighteen carries, one hundred and six yards. Obviously, did not have the same elite explosiveness, but he had that 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 make you miss, like you were talking about the tackle breaking ability and stuff uh, in that Florida game. And you watched him, and you're like, "Yeah, man, that guy, uh, he can make things happen." And you know, I think he accelerates uh, when he's in his prime as well as anybody. Whereas, you know, a less talented back is not going to have that ability. Uh, you also mentioned being elusive in the backfield, making the first guy miss. I saw that really in both years, highlight tapes with him over and over and over again. He also runs behind his pads, JC, and yeah. the Gamecocks haven't had a back like that. And I mean, probably since Mike Davis, Lattimore right. obviously was the strongest at doing that, but you know, he's a guy that, that delivers a hit and 
and can withstand a hit and then get more yards. And South Carolina badly needs a back who, you know, on, on second and 10 falls forward for a couple of yards when the, the play breaks down. They, they just haven't had that and probably led the SEC the last two years in, you know, negative or zero game plays. I, I hate to do this to you because I, I, I generally agree with everything you say, but I'd say maybe since Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris sure was special in 2020. Uh, I don't even know if they would have gained one yard the entire season collectively as an offense without Kevin Harris, <laughs> you know, running for 121 yards per game or whatever it was in 10 SEC games. That was pretty, that was pretty impressive. Um, uh, Brad, where do you think uh, they've got five guys now? Well, if you want to include Jerome Simmons, he's a Juco guy. That's how we used to track transfers. Um, but, uh, Jerome Simmons, so we can throw six in there, but, um, where, where do you think this thing goes next? And I guess, actually, let me ask that differently. A.J. Swan is a guy whose name continues to come up. We, we've watched him play for two years at Vanderbilt. What type of fit do you think that would be in this QB room, and how would it help Gamecock football? I think he's a good fit. I think he would challenge Lenoris but not start. But he's also a guy that, in case Lenoris gets hurt, you have a guy who has started pretty much his whole career at the SEC football level. And there's not a lot of those available right now in the portal, by the way. I want to make one quick note, too, on K.J. Jefferson. I haven't totally slammed that door yet. And everything I've heard from from sources is K.J. is still planning on entering the portal. The problem with that is his market value is not what he or his representation thinks it is as a a three-year SEC starter. He's a guy that um, I know I've I've told J.C. this, that I think is comparable to Lenora Sellers. Same kind of body type, um, same RPO base passer. But KJ is looking for a fit where he comes in as starter, and Gamecock staff would would definitely not guarantee that if if he was an ad. But I think AJ Swan right now, there's a reason why he's been on campus for 48 to 72 hours. That's the guy that I think the Gamecock staff wants to go with now that KJ and a few others have kind of uh, dragged their feet this cycle. But there's going to be some more quarterbacks into the portal too. We just saw Malik Murphy yesterday make make it official, and you know he's he's probably top of the line right now. I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets you know a, a bevy of major elite offers. Do Do you anticipate? So we're six days from signing day, uh, and we've got uh, the portal until the end of the month. Do, do you anticipate? changes on South Carolina's coaching staff? So I think Shane Beamer has made the right move in not announcing any yet if he has made that decision. I know at the end of the season, after the Clemson game, had Shane Beamer listened to the Gamecock fan base, they probably wouldn't be where they are right now in the transfer portal with a few of these commits. Um, Montario Hardesty being, you know, the the number one guy mentioned there. And and, and then you look at uh, Clayton White as, as the D.C., Next year is a contract year for him. It, it, you know, it expires at December 31st, 2024. And that 335, the last four or five weeks, really made South Carolina's talent on that side of the ball play a lot more loose. And they played a heck of a lot better as a, you know, defensive unit as a whole. So I think Clayton White's safe. I don't, I don't know if Shane Beamer is going to make any uh, changes, but if he signs a top 10 portal class, and that staff collectively feels good about this roster heading into the new year, maybe you stick with the staff you have and let it ride through next fall. Brad Crawford, 24-7 Sports. Go ahead, JC. 
No, I, I'm, I'm with Buddy. This is kind of what Beamer does, though. He, you know, he, he's he's not in a hurry to do changes. Uh, you know, and I think I think there's something to be said for that philosophy. You know, it's not what I would do. I'm kind of a uh, let's have a day of reckoning after the Clemson game kind of guy. You know, <laughs> uh, but if people think back on it, Steve Spurrier handled it the same way many, many times. Uh, 08 was the exception because I think. Things were just so bad at the end of that year after getting beat by Clemson. Dabo gets the job. Uh, you know, there there was just some changes that had to be made. Uh, and Spurrier, of course, fired John Hunt and David Reeves left and went to Tennessee and blah blah. The list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> but Spurrier usually would just be like, well, you know, and you'd be sitting there and you'd ask him about a play. But see, usually Carolina's getting ready for a bowl. Everybody's happy. And he's like, oh shoot, we're not gonna talk about that right now. We we'll get on that later. You know then. I mean, Fred Chatham literally got fired <laughs> without anybody telling. Tell, I mean, just you know, just all of a sudden they hired another assistant. Ray Richleski gets hired, and oh, Freddie, well, shoot, that we only have now, and somebody's got to go. <laughs> and uh, so people think back to it. Spurrier was kind of the same way. Even Muschamp gave Kurt Roper some time to kind of look look for something, although it was imminent, and he certainly wasn't coaching the bowl. So I don't know, man. I think um, – I mean, yeah, shoot, remember Brian McClendon was still on staff at Carolina after Bobo was hired. Even, even last year? Wouldn't, he wasn't wouldn't even address it. I'm yeah. not going to get into that now. And, and <laughs> even last year, Shane let, you know, Marcus Satterfield's best friend hire him out west right. rather, rather than announce he's out. So I would have um, written him a letter of recommendation. Oh, I got to ask you about that. WTH. Is he going to get Kyle McCord and Dylan Rayola? So it sounds like Kyle McCord is going elsewhere. And Fran Brown, the new head coach at Syracuse, the top-rate recruiter at Georgia last season, mm-hmm. may sign Kyle McCord. Wow. That would I, be I like Fran, play. man. I think, um, I think he's real, dude. He's a real dude. The, but, yeah, Kyle McCord visited Nebraska on Monday. And whatever conversation he had with Matt Rule or Marcus Satterfield, man, didn't didn't go too well, it sounds like. <laughs> But, but they are about to flip Dylan Rayola. And that is going to happen. This is pure, pure speculation here. But if they do flip Rayola, I think there's a conversation between, you know, Satterfield and Rayola that this is your job next year. And probably Kyle McCord wanted nothing to do with that, I would I would think. All right. But uh, I want to, since we've only got about eight minutes, we got Derek Scott coming up at 105 today. So we want to make sure we get him on time, too. I want So I'm going to squeeze in everything I can in the next eight minutes here with you. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC, who is just – when it comes to the transfer portal, needs to make it happen but just isn't making it happen? I think Texas A&M, man, has, has lost 19 players uh, heading into that bowl game. And we're talking about probably um, eight defensive starters and like five are in the portal now, three are going to the NFL. I think it's very interesting to see that not only Gamecocks target LT Overton, but Fidel Diggs is another guy who led the team in like – uh, Havoc plays last season. Um, I don't know what Mike Elko is going to have is in terms of you know a a too deep defensively, and that's his expertise on on defense. They they love Connor Wagman there. Um, haven't taken a quarterback this cycle, but this this portal needs to improve for A and M. And then on the flip side of that, I think Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, man, right now once again are just killing it. And see, he's able to sell two ten win seasons the last three years. Which he gets that next year, he's he's a playoff team. And a lot of SEC teams right now outside of Bama, Georgia, 
maybe Tennessee, they can't sell that in the portal. And uh, the the Grove, the old Miss Collective there, has shown that it's not afraid to spend some money. So that, that's always key. Hey, Lane, say, let me yeah. give you some advice. Don't tell anybody you're only going to be around for two, three more years. <laughs> See, we always say that. But then all of a sudden, these big jobs that open, Lane's not a realistic candidate for any of them. Maybe maybe Florida, maybe Alabama if, if Saban leaves. Well, I was referencing yeah. Spurrier in 14. Well, I, yeah, I'll be here another two, three years. Two or three oh, more years again. Did he this say two or three? Content. Coach, I don't think I'm going to come to Carolina anymore. Yeah, there you go. Neither uh, is every other player on this. A&M not being, going through a rebuild next it, year, I think it will be good for Carolina because – you look at they need to go through a rebuild. Like, yeah. So uh, Florida, I mean, what about the what about the Gators? I mean, they're they, not on the schedule. Six, they, I, well, I know. I'm just talking about in the transfer portal. They've lost 16 players. They haven't added one yet. Yeah, they, what, they yeah, lost Kinsley, who's their top defensive player, who's probably going to sign with Ole Miss. And when Florida is unable to retain their best players, and they lose them to a program that historically is lower than them in Ole Miss. That that's a bad sign for Napier. And then they, they're bringing back Graham Mertz, which the fan base is kind of – they, they've sold their stock on Graham Mertz. They they want to see DJ Lagway. Who but, may end up at Clemson. Right. Golly. I guess uh, this time Don't next count year – Don't count it out. This Don't time next year, Jamie Chadwell will be the new head football coach in Gainesville. We might as well prepare ourselves for this. No, they're not smart enough to hire him. They'll hire some other guy that could be a recruiter. Oh, and- Jimbo. They'll hire Jimbo. Oh, that would be bad. Y'all know the SEC loves its incestual relationship, so they'll they'll definitely hire a former SEC staff. Or it'll be Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops will take that one. Oh, yeah, it'll definitely be that man. Ooh, shoot, golly, man. Brad, a... any any reaction to the schedule release last night? What'd you think about the game couch draw and anything else that stood out to you? I'll say this, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want to single him out, but. SEC Network host Peter Burns said that after the show, and, and you know he he has a job to do. He's the SEC guy, but he said that this is the first time that all SEC schedules have been evenly balanced out. And I'm looking at the Gamecock schedule, thinking three consecutive top ten teams potentially in Ole Miss, Alabama, and Oklahoma. I don't know, man. Um, I think next year's schedule might look similarly to 2020, where the bad coaches in the league are, are going to get exposed in this new SEC. But you, oh. you look at Texas's schedule, man. It's cake. It, it couldn't be easier for the Longhorns in their first season, almost a shoe in to make the twelve team playoff. Um, if if I'm a Gamecock fan, I'll I'll say this though: the twelve team playoff has certainly increased the likelihood that if Shane can get to a nine and three or a ten and two later in his tenure here. Gamecocks are in the 12 team playoffs. Uh, I 100% agree. I mean, this and I get, agree. You, te- Texas yeah. is not a easy. It's a very that's easy. What, that's what JC was saying. And then the flip side of that, the final five games of the season for, for the Gators. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Brad. Have you, have you seen that? I've I've seen it. They, they only have one game against a non power five team. I mean, even the non conference next year is against UCF. Yeah. Who scheduled that? Who scheduled yeah. that? That's, yeah, that's they, the hell. Yeah. You know, so the the odds makers when when those early win totals come out in like March or April, it's going to be about five and a half again for Florida. And if Napier has another five and seven, he's out. Well, he's going to have an zero and five. I mean, uh, they've got Georgia and Jacksonville. Then they got to go to Texas. Those are both losses. 
And then they host LSU. Eh, we'll see. And then Florida State signs Cam Ward. Florida State's a top ten team. And, and prior to that, they welcome Lane Kiffin to the swamp. Mm. So you got that's yeah, that's crazy. So so one thing about Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, their quarterback, has been kind of coy on whether he's coming back or not. And if they win the uh, bowl game and he has a big game and he goes to the draft, all of a sudden. Ole Miss is in the quarterback market, and all the big names are gone. You don't think Spencer Sanders would step in in that situation or Walker Howard or the guys they got? Or? So, so Walker would probably be the starter. I think Spencer okay. would, would be on his sixth season, and uh, he, did, he didn't fare too well as Dart's backup this season. No, he didn't look good at all. He's like, when they, he got in a couple of games, I was like, this is the guy that set a record at Oklahoma State. Uh, on, on Oklahoma, though, Brad <laughs> – Oklahoma's lost their entire offensive line to the transfer portal. Did you know this? Yeah. And, and, and I was pretty, that, yeah. is that real? Seriously? And uh, they're, they're a starting quarter, their whole first, they're starting offensive line. All of them are in the portal. And I'll have a first year quarterback, a whole new offensive line, and a first year offensive coordinator. It's brutal. And and Caden Green, their best returning offensive lineman who portaled yesterday, I was told there's a bidding war between Missouri and Oregon. Oklahoma Oklahoma's not going to retain them. That's that's for sure. That's crazy, and it's like so. South Carolina goes to Norman, and that's always going to stink. But uh, and I, I talked to a coach that is on a Big Twelve staff this year that used to coach in the SEC, and he Looked said there's a big difference between Texas and where they're at talent wise. And he said Oklahoma to him just is not ready to go. Like, and and I trust him. So that makes me that uh, makes me feel a lot better because I've already got hotel rooms in Norman. <laughs> Yeah, I was told there's some casinos around that uh, part of the country in, in Oklahoma. So yeah, I well, think Oklahoma fired up myself. A, they're they're probably an eight and four ish team next season. And oh, sort of uh, in, perfect inside the industry here, Brent Venables now has a reputation that he doesn't overpay for talent through NIL in, in the portal and recruiting. So I think it's interesting that uh, Brent sort of has the Dabo mentality and the guys I sign, I'm going to develop and we're going to be elite regardless of what, you know, the ratings and all that say. Well, it's a lot easier to be elite when you're playing um, Duke and North Carolina and Wake Forest and Virginia and, and, and NC State than it is when you got to play, uh, you know, LSU and freaking Texas A&M. And yeah. Heck, throw Missouri in there now for craps and giggles because they're, they're every bit an SEC program right now. So, nah. uh, so yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, as Gamecocks, nobody should sit there and go, Oh, there's no way they'll win, you know, because, yes, Oklahoma's on the jersey, but this may not be one of your better – keep in mind before Bob Stoops got there, John, remember John Blake, the John Blake era? You know, they've been bad before. It's just been a long time. I mean, Oklahoma's starting running back next year is going to be the former starter at UT Martin. So that, that's where Oklahoma is right now. Yeah. So don't – don't don't just can't count it out. Uh, A&M yeah. the same way. Missouri comes to – come on, guys. That's a uh, – it's just, I think it's a fearful thing because Carolina has been so bad against the West through the years. But yeah, as we get off here, Brad, I'll say this: uh, go look up Shane Beamer's record against the SEC East, or what used to be the SEC East. It's terrible. It's not good. It's terrible. So maybe this is a good thing, right? So by subtracting Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia, that's that's addition by subtraction. And Based on the last three years, they need to get rid of Missouri. Yeah, they, they, Missouri's still there, but. Uh, Kentucky and Vandy, he's five and one against those two. So week two at Kentucky, State. fellas, that's a that's a must win. That, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Big one. It's a big one. Hey, hey Brad, yeah. uh, 
we we got to let you run, but really can't Sorry. thank you enough for your time. Um, we, I, maybe we will, but if we don't, uh, to you and your and your family and your newborn first Christmas, yeah, uh, Merry Christmas to all of y'all. We we really do appreciate everything you do, and uh, and I know I'm quite sure Santa's going to be landing on your roof, so make sure it's stable. He will be three three presents each for the girls. So yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. Man, what a it's the best time of the year when you got kids, and it? it is amazing. It is, man. Thank y'all it for is. having me today. Merry Christmas, Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Thanks Brad. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Brad. The great Brad Crawford, twenty four seven Sports dot com. We got to go uh, when we get back. Derek Scott, he'll deliver gifts to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now and get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
right, it is 105 on the dot. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. And live from the Sinorama Studios, uh, we are. Hey, Phil. I'm glad you could. <laughs> Quick glad change you there. Us. Uh, oh, glad you could join us here on uh, this uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon, December the 14th. I uh, want to once again remind you about our friends at Rescues and Resin, rescuesandresin.com. Uh, this holiday season, but every season could be for a birthday, could be for a. a, a, a a uh, an anniversary could just be because you love neat stuff. Doesn't matter. Rescuesandresin.com. I've got some stuff in the coming in the mail from them. Dustin and Tabitha are uh, huge supporters of Carolina Rise and the NIL efforts at the University of South Carolina, of course. And um, they are also amazing at what they do. Look at that. Look at that cutting board. If you're watching us and you see this, it doesn't have to have Carolina Rise on it. It can have something. It can have a picture of your dog. Which, you know what? That's a good idea. I might have them make one of those with capers on it. But, you know, rest rest in peace, my man. Uh, and uh, so Come that's what we have dude. coming there. We've Don't got. Uh, cry today. We've. Well, that wasn't. I wasn't trying to make you cry. <laughs> Jesus, was, so you know when I want to make you cry. I, I, it's pretty easy to do. I'll text you and tell you that you're going to cry before <laughs> yeah, I actually it, do it. it. Those videos, <laughs> um, man. Jeez. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look at those things. Uh, so they, these are just awesome, awesome awesome coasters and things like that from rescues and resin dustin tabitha if you're watching thank you so much for what you do for everybody really appreciate it um thanks to your service uh to our country and um this merry christmas to everybody this holiday season uh derek should be in here any moment he is, is he in he's oh he here. is so is he we, here let him in he's all he's in. Yeah, everybody wants to see Derek Scott more than us. I, I would assure you that. Phil, here's a question for you. We every day at one o'clock, Darius Rucker sings "Hold My Hand" to us as we can. Would you Would you rather listen to Darius Rucker or Derek Scott? Oh well, you know, I mean, are, it, singing. I don't know. I've never heard Derek what, what sing. What sport are we talking about? We're like, I, don't, I, don't, singing. I don't care what the options are. If it's I don't care. <laughs> me. Yodeling, I come on. Get, give me, give me a game and uh, a game three in Omaha, and uh, I'll go there. I'll go okay. there. And, oh, um, <laughs> I guess that was smart. JB, you're sitting there showing off those awesome looking Christmas gift options, and uh, I'm on the heels of a virtual holiday party yesterday for my employers. My real, you know, my day job. Mm -hmm. So first off, it's a virtual Christmas party. They ship out everybody's gift ahead of time, and you're supposed to open it on screen. I I appreciate the effort, but somebody came up with some shtick, which was a lump of coal that you then have to, it comes with a hammer and safety glasses, and you have to crack into the lump of coal. To see what's inside of it. What? I don't know if you guys can even see this. If I can hold this up, I had coal all over oh my. Oh my god! Yes. Oh wow! I, it was oh, an no, epic disaster. If anybody ever gets wind of this concept, run, run, run. as far away from it as you can. I didn't know that was a. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> it was a gift card on the inside of 
No wonder it was virtual. They didn't want that what? in an office anywhere. Right. <laughs> I had, I mean, I had coal dust all over my hands. There was crap in the floor. I'm trying to explain to the people out here in the offices what the racket was about. It was, uh, yeah. That's brutal, Derek. What not, uh, not trying to be by humbug, but holy crap! What, what, was, what was the get? What was the gift card uh, for? Well, it, it was an option. I could go in and choose from a number of different retailers, so that end of it was fine. It was uh-huh. just getting to it that was it's like something out. I mean, it really was. It was some. I just kept thinking this is a sequel to to a holiday movie gone wrong. Somewhere, somewhere, there's got to be. It's Steve Carell doing this scene instead of me or, 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 you know, it, it was hilariously bad. Just a disaster. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, you know, Merry Christmas, I guess. Yeah. So in other words, why didn't they just get me some of those coasters? Those were badass, man. I, I think I looked a lot better with those. We might yeah. need to just send you a set of those anyways for all, <laughs> everything you do for us. That would be a good, let's, uh, matter of fact, JC, I'll tee that up. I'll yeah, get, um, commission. I'll get those uh, Dustin to to make a set. We'll, we'll get those to Derek here as soon as we can. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we owe you yeah, that anyways, yeah, at minimum. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, always willing to come on. You do it while you're on the road. I mean, I wasn't even angling for that, but I'll take it. We're gonna yeah. put it inside a lump of coal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought when they said you were getting a lump of coal, I said, hey, West Virginia jokes aside, are we serious about this stuff? Yeah. Have I been any worse than anybody else in this group this year? What are we talking about? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we're gonna make you smash it on yeah. air. In the hoop side of things, by the way, I warned everybody this could happen last night, and it happened in a big way. UNLV beat the, you know what, out of uh, eighth-ranked Creighton out there uh, in the Jack Jones Classic. And then if Chicago didn't have enough upheaval every night, they had <laughs> outside of the basketball court, they had plenty of it on it last night. Old three and nine Chicago State walked in and upset twenty fifth ranked Northwestern. Yep, that was a, that was a big deal. Yep, uh, up there. Hey, uh, Eric the, Hyman. Neck of the never no, Eric Hyman for a short stint was a consultant at Chicago State. Chicago State's interesting. It's an HBCU. They've always kind of maybe been the worst Division one basketball program out there. Uh, I think DePaul may be worse, unfortunately, for the Gamecocks this year. Well, but but if DePaul's worse, then Louisville's worse than DePaul. I'm, I mean, I'm getting out of the Chicago sphere. I mean, but look, yeah, that's shocking. Louisville, I mean, there's a transfer portal now, guys. Did you yeah. not go? And you're Louisville. I don't no, no. think it's. I don't think it's just talent. I, I really think they just made an incredibly bad hire, and I hate it because I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about Kenny Payne. But my gosh, what a disaster it has turned into there. Well, speaking I, of, of non disasters, <laughs> South Carolina's sitting on a, a non disaster right now on the court. Uh, this game uh, is Charleston Southern Saturday, right, Derek? Yes. Am I correctly? I don't yeah. have the basketball schedule memorized like the football schedule. but uh, CSU, Winthrop, Elon, and FAMU. Yeah, so, so it gets back with CSU, Saturday tip-off. I'm going to tell everybody out there, I think there's going to be more than just game reasons for there to try to be a decent crowd there Saturday. There's, a, there's some potential for the future there that may be around. Um, but, uh, another game after this break and, uh, the East Carolina game was certainly exciting, uh, a big road win. I think East Carolina could make some noise, uh, 
uh, in the American. They've got some players, but uh, what what's kind of your overall feel of the team right now uh, heading into this stretch, which which should be successful. But you know, watching this program through the last few years, just when you think that a Stetson comes in and beats you or something. Well, like and that. and just when you, I mean, you know, JB was just rattling off those scores from last night. I mean, it happens. You know, if you're not ready to go. Uh, this time of year, if you've had a big layoff or, you know, they give you a couple of days off to focus on final exams, you could come out flat, whatever the case is. I think you worry more about that one, just to be honest. I think you worry more about that against Winthrop than you do against CSU. But nonetheless, yeah, you've got four home games here to finish up non-conference. So every opportunity in the world to be 12-1 and one going into the new year. And that would be pretty amazing way to start this season. And last week, being what it was, which was two – true road games uh, and two really tough atmospheres. I, 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 you know, yes, you were real close to two and oh, uh, but coming out of a one-on-one the way they did and getting tested in both environments, I think there's a ton of positives to pull from that. And now we're seeing Colin Murray Boyles merging back into the rotation. Uh, that's big. You, he brings a layer of athleticism that they don't probably get anywhere else on that roster. Uh, and he's these next four will be great for him in terms of more experience, just more reps. Uh, and probably in terms of getting back in a game shape on a, where he can play longer stretches. I think that's huge. Um, just a lot of positives right now for this team. And, and, you know, knock on wood, the only guy who seems even a little bit dinged up right now is Morris Ugasuk and having a week off, probably very good for his, for his ankle as well. So. Yeah, you know, go. let's go back to Greenville because last year in Greenville, South Carolina, that group of pirates up there came to town, beat the Gamecocks by eight, and uh, they started to make a little bit of a run uh, on Saturday, and you thought, oh, no, not again, right? But but here comes the leadership and B.J. Mack, big old shot there and kind of got him going. Describe the environment, though, man. Um, yep. It looked like it was pretty pumping in there. They were fired up for this sucker, including that video they, they pranked Rattler on. <laughs> That was something, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I was impressed, man, because that's not a that's a school that in 40 years has maybe been, you know, to two, maybe three NCAA tournaments. I mean, it has been bad basketball for the long haul up there. Baseball, that's a baseball school. And football is the one they 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 aspire to be good at. Basketball really gets left behind. And uh, and, you know, Michael Schwartz has made some real strides in a short amount of time there being a second year coach himself. And they are one of the schools out there who stands to benefit the most from yesterday's court ruling, allowing that second time transfer immediate eligibility for those guys. You know, there's a handful of dudes who've been stuck and not allowed to play. They've got one of the better ones, Cam Hayes, who will now be eligible to play for ECU. And you never know how it affects chemistry, but he could be a nice piece for them as they get in the conference play. But, yeah, uh, the atmosphere was tremendous. It's a small gym, so it doesn't take a lot to make make it very loud. But it was relatively full, and uh, the students were in it. And on considering it was a noon game, they they were really getting after it. Uh, and that's what Lamont and I talked about afterwards. He said, you know, the building I played in in Chattanooga, the Roundhouse, they always said the acoustics were terrible for concerts, but it made it great for basketball because it just was – just really loud, just low ceiling, and it bounced around. That noise bounced around, and he, and he compared uh, Minji's Coliseum to that, uh, and he was pleased about it because you know when you on the back end when you win a game like that, you feel like this is great. This is battle testing my guys. Uh, and Michi Johnson stepped up after a quiet first half 
and made all the big plays that were needed. And then you mentioned that shot that BJ hit and uh, they closed it out. Uh, and, and that was huge because they were absolutely teetering. Uh, there's no question about it. It had gotten down to a one possession game. They'd lost the lead there momentarily. Uh, and, and you started having those flashbacks to the Clemson game. It's like, you know, can we do this again? Can we lead for 80% of a game and come out on the short end twice in a week? That's not good, but it didn't happen. And that's all that matters. Do you, what do you think they learned in that Clemson loss? Have you talked to them about that at all, the players, the coaches? Not really. I mean, I, I want to hear from LP on that tonight on on uh, Carolina calls. But I, I do feel like, um, you know, when you when you run into a situation like that, it, it it's it's about just being able to really lock down and, and stay in your in your offensive system. But they also walked out of that game feeling like the shots were there. They should make them down the stretch. Yeah, that's and, right. And maybe you squandered that first half where you were playing so well defensively and didn't get the lead as big as you probably should have been, where you go into the locker room up by seven or eight and you're thinking, eh, this should probably be 14 or 15. And will that matter? And as it turns out, it really did matter at the end. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I want to re kind of reset the scene for everybody that maybe has just been glued to the transfer portal uh, <laughs> because uh, South Carolina basketball is off to a hot start. They're eight and one. They've got four games left here in 2023. They're all non cons CSU, Winthrop, Elon, and Florida AM. If they, of course, if you can do simple math, if they win all four of those games as they are expected to, they'll finish the non conference schedule at 12 and one. Uh, will be the best in quite some time in Columbia. It also, though, would continue to improve their net ranking, which sits at number 28 in the nation. It would also include uh, improving the Ken Palm rankings, which right now sit at 52, and it probably would also help them in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, which generally here in the state of South Carolina, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to that in December, but when your team is included in it, you kind of start peaking. And 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 if anybody hasn't noticed, they are the first four buys, or last I guess last four buys, uh, in his bracketology. One of the other four is a team named Mississippi State, who just so happens to be coming to Columbia on national television on Saturday, January the sixth. Derek, so why am I saying all of that? These next four contests, all winnable, all should be W's and on that side of the column. They are very, very important, and this program needs lots of support through the end of uh, December to set that matchup up in January. Well, and and I love what they're doing uh, in the athletics department to try and help crease the skids for people making their decisions for their families uh, because as expensive as it is to feed a family anywhere now, if you can bring them to a game and tell the kids, go eat as many hot dogs as you can. And, you know, just pump Coke into your system. Let's jam some popcorn down our gullet, and it's not going to cost us anything. That, that's about as good as you can do uh, because, I mean, I heck, you can't go to lunch anymore and get out of a, a, any place for seemingly less than 15 bucks a head, it feels like. So that's a huge benefit. And if there's folks who are looking for ways to entertain their family during the holidays, why not? You know, I mean, if you can get game tickets and, and have those free concessions and they, they stretch that out over four different optional dates to take advantage of that, you know, hat tip to that crew for coming up with that idea and figuring out a way to make it work financially where your where your concession partner doesn't, you know, take the brunt of that. Cause that's obviously you need them to, 
support an idea like it too. So you've got to make it work for them financially. So whoever had the, 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 you know, the pencil out and making the numbers make sense. That's awesome. And that's what this program needs is that kind of support within the uh, athletic department, because everybody's, you know, every sport wants their piece of the pie. They want that spotlight. And it's hard to get your, your moment when you are, you know, sharing the stage with the number one team in the nation on the women's side, it can be, it can be challenging. Uh, So really like the side of that Saturday is a day where the men and women both play at home during the course of the day. I I hesitate to call it a double header because it's, you know, there's a gap between those games, but still, you know what I'm saying? So no, it's, I really like the way things are shaping it's, up on a lot of fronts right now. It's double dribble, Derek. It's double no, is that what it is? Okay. It's, 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 double dribble. It's double dribble. Double dribble. When you see Lamont, what do you see in his relationship that he has with his players? It, it's It's interesting because he interacts with them so well. He relates to them really well. You know, LP is almost as old as me, but he really relates to those guys on such a great level. There is no question. They they know who's in charge. It's not too buddy-buddy. He doesn't have to have a good cop, bad cop relationship where somebody else on the staff is the hammer. It's none of that's required. But at the same time, he he communicates in a way that I think he really reaches those guys, and they really play hard for him. They're happy, obviously, they want, they love the success they're having for themselves, but I really think they do enjoy seeing him get propped up and have that success as well uh, when they are playing well. It's just, it's a fun group, and the mix there in that regard um, is is just, it's it's as good as you could ask for. They are really connected, and not just <clears throat> not just the players. The connectivity I think runs really well between the coach and coaches, assistants as well, and and that roster. Uh, and, and so when you see him get angry about something that somebody's done, but then you watch how after the initial anger, how he goes about expressing what he didn't like about the situation, where he wants the adjustment to be made. Um, it, it's it, it's fun to watch as you have a chance to see it more and more and understand what he's doing. Because last year there were times where you just felt like he was running around with both hands tied behind his back and there just wasn't much he could do about things in certain circumstances. And now you don't get that at all. I was thinking about you the other day because I was, I was listening. I, you know, I'd listen to you and then I, I put it on the TV and um, I can't remember who it was. Who was it? I, I don't know who it was, but he got all pissed off about something Lamont did. And in the camera just so happened to show it, show him. And he turned around and he walked down and he just, his finger just kind of moved and he just looked at somebody and pointed just to say, get in there. You get out. And, um, and I just started laughing because before the season, you said, well, he's got options. You know, right. if somebody screws up, you just go throw the next guy in there now. And, uh, and it worked. And, and, but yeah, Derek, to your point, going back to that, he couldn't do that last year. Right. He had no choices, man. Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. somebody. There was somebody last year. I'll just tell you who basically pulled themselves out of the lineup because of an injury that no one else on the staff, the training staff, seemed to be really concerned with. Mm-hmm. And his comment to me was, "You know what? In past years, if someone told me that that they couldn't go, I would have told them. Well, then I'll let you know when you're back in." You may make that decision on when you're out, but I'll make the decision on when you're back in. And and he was lamenting the fact that I, I don't even have that hammer to play. I don't have that card to play right now. 
And that that's tough. That's tough on any coach when you were stretched that thin from a personnel standpoint that you can have things dictated to you that you know you're not you're not interested in standing for or putting up with. Uh, so he doesn't have to worry about that now. Uh, and and the addition of Murray Boyles makes it even better. That's one more quality guy there to choose from. Uh, and he trusts guys up and down that roster. I mean, heck, you know, uh, you didn't even see Benjamin Bozeman's Verdant get in the game Saturday. And there wasn't anything against BBV. It's just Murray Boyles is going to take those front court minutes to some degree. And Josh had been playing better in practice. So Josh Gray had kind of moved back past uh BBV, and that I don't think that's something you can count on every day. I think the com- competition will determine who's playing better in practice as to who gets called, you know, off the bench first. But you know, th- that's nice that when you've got guys that you know are capable of helping you, and you're not even getting that far into the rotation just yet. So, I, a couple quick questions, and we'll let you run, Derek. And, I, and you've got work to do. Um, you got somewhere to be, so answer you can answer them very quickly. Uh, Talon Cooper, I I, I just Golly, I love watching. He plays in slow motion, and it makes his team play so fast. I love. Yeah, he he is he is an orchestrator, and I was digging through some of the Ken Palm numbers this morning. And when you get into the individual stuff and see where he shows up in a lot of rankings, of you know his efficiency numbers are the best on the team offensively. He's got. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try and explain a lot of these these numbers. Either people know some of these analytics or they don't. I can't I can't be the one to educate you on that. But as far as an offensive rating, he's got the best one on the team. Uh, and there's a little more that goes into that than, you know, than just, you know, points scored, obviously. Uh, he's got he's he's top 50 in the country among individual players in offensive rating. And that's that's pretty significant when you look at the other guys on that list. I mean, if I were to go in there and, and take a look at, you know, who's at the top of an offensive rating list. The names aren't going to surprise you. Zach Eady's number one and PJ Hall's number two. And, and, you know, you've got some small school guys, obviously that jump in there, but uh, you know, he's way up there. Uh, and, and Michi's really good too, but, but, you know, overall Talon's numbers are better. Uh, and, and it's really, you know, something that's based on the fact that he's shooting it very well. He's at 50% from three. He's at 50% from two. He obviously leads this team in his ability to, to distribute. He's got a, an assist rate that's top 120 in the nation. Uh, he, he's just been incredibly efficient. He doesn't turn it over much. Uh, and, and he knows, as we talked earlier in this year, JB, he had kind of been asked to step up defensively and take on a bigger role as far as against some of those teams we ran into where the lead guards were much more about attacking off the dribble, and he had to be the guy to try and block that path. We haven't seen as much of that the last two games, but we definitely saw it against George Washington and against Notre Dame and Grand Canyon. And he was at the front of the list on all three of those games as far as assignments. So yeah, he he could easily be that un, unknown commodity that turns into a potential MVP for this team in spite of Michi obviously being the leader in terms of scoring and, and he's shooting it in so much better. BJ giving you such reliability in the post. Uh, do not under, under uh, underestimate uh, the performance of, of Talon Cooper and what he means to this team. That's for no sure. way, no way. Guard play has been been awesome. And finally, Derek, next four games here. What, what is, what's important? What, what do you want to? I don't know if it's what you want to see. You're not coaching yeah, the team, but right. what do you think is important for this team for to be able to achieve on top of the wins? to have a nice start to SEC play. Honestly, I, I want to see them come out of that stretch. Well, obviously 4-0, but I want to see him come out of that stretch healthy. 
And I want to see them come out of that stretch where you don't see any bad habits developing because you maybe won't be pressed as much to perform against CSU or Florida A&M specifically. Uh, you know, you just want to make sure that everybody's still got their their focus where it needs to be, because when you turn the page and get into conference play, we know how tough it can be. And when you realize that after that home game with Mississippi State, you've got road trips to Alabama and Missouri right behind that. So you don't want to get uh, behind the eight ball in league play uh, by, you know, struggling out of the gate. So, yeah, that that's kind of, kind of the way I would look at it. Well, they got eight halves to to keep it clicking and really get it going. And then, man, hard to believe we could be already circling January 6th, the start of SEC play at noon. Get your tickets and sell it out because they're going to need it. It's going to be a tough month after that on the road in Tuscaloosa, on the road in Columbia, Missouri. Derek, you know the I, I drill. Know. I got a I got a question for JC now. Uh, I'm sorry, I was uh, yeah. What is it? <laughs> Football uh, plans for kicker. Do they have Do they have something in place there? Because I got got to be honest. I've been focused on other stuff, and I look up today. See Jeter's going to Notre Dame. I'm like, okay, do we have a plan B? Is that is that is there someone else already on the roster, or is I, that going to be something where the portal comes into play? I actually have a little scoop on that for you, Derek. I had a conversation about it last night. I, I guess I'm just not focused on kickers, but you know it could end up that the Jeter ends up being the most significant loss for Carolina in the portal. It could end up that way. Yeah, um, sure. They think Alex Herrera can step in and do the job. And then yeah. they got Mason Love, who is a punter and a kicker, coming in with this class from the Kansas City area, who's an, an All-American type. Uh, whether he's a punter or a PK remains to be seen. But, uh, I mean, I don't – Jeter was so freaking accurate. I don't know mm-hmm. how you like actually replace a guy like that. Um, but they think Herrera's a good kicker too. But there's a reason they brought him in and, and like him. So, uh, go, Alex Herrera. There's your new kicker. You there you go. Okay. You learned something. Y'all learned something today. You're not going to learn who the new uh, breaking welcome home is, though. I have to. I have to keep it quiet. But uh, I'll just say. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to say this one takes care of a position of need for good for this class. So there you go. Speculate away, friends. Okay. (laughs) Very, very well. That's what what I've been sitting here working on. I mean, when Beamer, Beamer should know that I'm on the show. We can't, we can't have these things happen. Shane, I know. Come on, Shane. I'm going to complain about it. So so I'm sitting here glued to my cell phone, answering 15 different texts. So. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Shane, yeah, hey, come on, man, you know the drill. I mean, you can't do this till eleven o'clock at night. People are <laughs> sleeping. Um, well, dynamite drop in money. Uh, well done there, JC. Uh, hey, uh, Derek, go get a win this weekend. We've uh, we'll, we'll squeeze you in sometime next week and get one more quick update before we kind of break for the Christmas holiday and things like that. But always really appreciate your generosity and in your time and uh, and there's nobody out there is better it, it that 40 minutes of basketball sure does make uh make listening fun so thanks so much for that all right guys appreciate it we'll talk to you soon there you go the great Derek Thank scott you. the voice of game basketball and soon double dipping basketball and baseball right around the corner matter of fact we might have mark kingston in here next week gotta gotta figure out uh, that schedule but it uh, might have him popping in for a couple of minutes as well all right we need to step aside for a break we are aware that uh, Shane, you know, just did what he does, steals the spotlight from from the hardworking folks like us, just trying to give you a program. 
Uh, there's a new welcome home out there. JC said it uh, will be held for a little bit of time. And uh, But uh, Carolina is doing damage in the portal. And this one is good. That's yeah. for sure. I, and I, and I gotta, I'll apologize to everybody because I've been hand. You know, I'm kind of an old school recruiting guy, right? And But as I've, I've done the show and we have this media network now and we have the collective and all that. So I'm knee deep in all this other stuff that doesn't, it's not really nose to the ground recruiting. And so I've been getting the names and just throwing them out there like a crazy person. I had no idea that our protocol, the big spur.com has changed. <laughs> and so I got a call from little after the last one. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just busting them out there. Hey, this guy's committed. He's like, you know, we've been for about two years now, JC, we've been holding it until the player announces and, Tease it. Oh, okay. So I, I have to apologize that I brought I violated my old website's protocol with all this. So Shane, uh, wait, Phil Shane just uh, or uh, JC just uh, eliminated Shane from coming on our program for another year. So that's wonderful news. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I, Let I me text good. Shane and clear this up. That wasn't was he was hacked. Or uh, he was better. Yeah, who hacked that him? Was- was yeah, it Wes? So. Wes Mitchell hacked him. Let's come up with. I gotta throw. I'm gonna throw Wes under the bus on this one. Wes Mitchell actually had a really good tweet today about the offensive line. You guys can go check that out. It's uh, it's um. Uh, Wes is, he made a lot of sense to over man. somebody that was like nobody can get. Uh, well, these guys aren't gonna get any better, you know, because even when they're healthy, you didn't even see him play healthy, dude. Yeah. How do you know this? Thank you. Yeah, Wes put him in their place. I didn't see it. He oh, yeah. Well, Wes just pointed out, look, here's all, you have all these – you have the best classes, okay. two classes in school history, and then the older guys like Nichols. You can't tell me they didn't miss Jalen Nichols last year. Yeah. J- J- look at how Jalen was playing toward the end of 2022. I mean, certainly they missed him. You know, certainly Vershawn Lee – getting hurt against Florida than not really being the same was a factor. I mean, there's just a lot of, I just, I, yeah. people just need to get, you know, it's, you know what, guess what? They don't have to be perfect on low line next Whoa. year because they have a dual threat quarterback that when he faces pressure, guys are going to get up, uh, go up there, their, get out of their lanes. He's going to run right by them for gigantic gains. Stay in your lane. So he's going to stay in his lane. So, and rocket Sanders, as, as Brad pointed out, can make people miss. So there's, well there's done hope. West. Thank you, Wes. Good job, Wes. I love Wes, dude. You talk about like one of the nicest people on the planet. Shout out to Wes Mitchell <laughs> on the other side of the world. All right, uh, we gotta, we gotta go, Phil. We gotta go. We gotta hit a timeout. So let's do that. And um, still plenty to get to in the final twenty-five minutes. So hang tight. ITG will be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside 
all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues in Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. Company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One forty-five final segment Thursday afternoon. It's chilly outside inside the Gamecocks. The show. Welcome back. We are always live from the Sanorama Studios, and of course, served by our friends at Chicken Cock. Chicken Cock whiskey is a perfect gift this time of year for that bourbon drinker in your family. You can find it. You might be going, "Well, I don't know where that is. What liquor store has it?" Well, if you have the Chief Sports app. That'll tell you exactly where it is. Click on the Chicken Cock Challenge on the home page of the Chief Sports app. Uh, Shane Bieber just picked up a new commitment a little bit ago. He will be announcing uh, soon. And when he does announce, everybody will know. But uh, that name will be held. Congratulations, though, young man. If you happen to be watching our show, we congratulate you for committing to play to uh, the University of South Carolina. Uh, Tomorrow... Hale McGranahan will be uh, in tomorrow at 11, 11.05, basically. Uh, so an extensive conversation will be had about this week. And I'm sure between now and then, there will be some additional changes in the portal uh, for Carolina. And um, I feel quite confident that there will be positive changes as well. So that will be a good time to get Hale in. I won't be here tomorrow. I will be playing golf. But good news for those of you, except for that one guy, Phil, that doesn't like me. <laughs> oh, did you see he made some comments on some of our posts yesterday? I, I, I was oh, like, no, well, I didn't. He, is, you know, but... he has a, the problem. The big problem he has is with Mike, and Mike filled me in on it, and it's hilarious. So I'll oh, just let's, leave let's oh, that's not, a different yeah. guy. I'm not, see, I'm not getting into guy. it, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, no, it, Mike yeah. called afterward, but it's uh, – I I was like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's just ban him, you know, <laughs> Keep an eye out. If he shows up here, I'll make sure we dispose of him. Probably kick this guy's ass. Are one of you headed somewhere? Are you driving, JC? No, Alexa just came on. Sometimes she'll catch my voice and she comes on and starts talking. Alexa, off. <laughs> she's, she's telling Mike's story in the background there. Is that what was going on? <laughs> Alexa's becoming self-aware, Saunders says. That's true. <laughs> she's going to start a nuclear war. Naked Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to show up in front of a house. Right. Xavier asked uh, uh, from the Merry Christmas guns. from the family bumper, do you remember when Marlboro had a point system catalog? I do. And it, it, we've come a long way in society, haven't we, Xavier? 
you know, you used to get more points for for smoking as many cigarettes as you could. Like, hey, look, man, we're going to give you a lot of points. Now, you're going to die pretty soon. But we're going to give you a bunch of points if you keep buying cigarettes. Like, yeah, yeah. Society has certainly changed. There's no doubt. Uh, no offense to all you smokers. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just saying the point system of, you know, shoving a pack of cigarettes in your mouth a day uh, probably wasn't the healthiest thing on the planet. Phil and I would be rich as hell if they still had that, man. Yeah, I really? Yeah. I should have saved all of those. I'm kidding. I'm trying, to, I'm trying my dangness to quit. I'm like, you know, and I've, I've cut back way back, so. Anyway. Keep, you got to keep cutting, JC. You got to keep cutting until you've cut all the way through. <laughs> don't don't quit right. quitting. Don't quit quitting. Yeah. Continue, quit continue on that uh, <laughs> on that on that note. All right, I, I, I'd still wear a Marlboro jacket, though, if they had my size. I'd just wear it because it pissed people off. You know, wait, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, again, today, Monroe Mills, uh, his official visit is on campus in Columbia, South Carolina. Who is Monroe Mills? He is a tackle, left tackle. He started both at left and right tackle. I think 22, I think, career starts uh, for the, uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But he's originally from Columbia, Missouri. So hopefully he doesn't make his way back up there. Um, but uh, Gamecocks have him in on a visit today. And uh, Kyle Kennard, edge rusher out of Georgia Tech, big kid, 6'5", 250 pounds. He is also on an official visit today. Keep an eye on this one here, guys. Keep an eye on this one. Um, not saying not to keep an eye on the offensive uh, uh, tackle either. Uh, 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 probably should rephrase that, JC. But, uh, but keep an eye on this Kyle Kennard kid who is in town today um, for for South Carolina. He would be – talk about a plug-and-play edge guy in 3-3-5 and 4-2-5 and this, that, and the other. He's a guy who, if he was wearing the garnet black, it would be hard to keep him off the field. They love him. Uh, Carolina really thinks he's better than a lot of maybe the higher-rated guys. Florida State had him in on a visit last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we all know, Florida State's probably the best portal recruiting team out there. Uh, they don't just bring anybody in. So, um, and, and, and I trust Travian Robertson and Sterling Lucas to evaluate their position, right? So, uh, they like him. And so we'll see. We'll ask who the competition is. I think Florida State is one mm-hmm. uh, of the teams in the mix for him. Um, but uh, third down guy, very productive on third down, very productive on third down. So, I think uh, if they get him, that's enough. That's another position that uh, all of a sudden looks a little bit better so uh well i, th- I think uh, i think it looks a lot better i mean i i don't think uh J- i mean come on what's what's going on here um i don't think jc that they they have to take an, an edge guy they don't um but i think that they if they if they're right again regurg- i guess i'm regurgitating so i'll just do that um if the right guy is there for the taking, they're going to sign him. That's the thing. It's, it's like, unlike last year where you didn't, uh, I mean, you know, strong coming back strong, played a lot of football this year, man, but he just really wasn't the same. And that happens, you know, you go and you got, uh, 
I mean, you, you go get JT gear. He's having a great camp. High ankle sprain. Uh, right before third scrimmage, I think. Right before they play North Carolina. It's tough, tough to recover from that. Tough mm-hmm. to recover from that. Uh, and be be hundred percent. You know the Drew Tuazama thing we we talked about. We don't need to rehash what I wrote about that and all that. So so they tried, but you know, well, edge not, is a, it's, yeah. It's a, there's only a handful, if that, right? Yeah, of it's really it's a quality, hard, edge high guys, value though. kind of position. And Canard's kind of those sneaky good guys, though. I mean, Georgia Tech, like I said, they weren't world beaters on defense this year, but they. Every now and then, you know, they'd make some plays and stuff, and you'd see kind of like, man, I hadn't seen Georgia Tech with this kind of these kind of players in a long time because you know Paul Johnson basically uh, turned them into a Western Carolina level roster Ooh. while he was there because he refused to recruit and couldn't recruit, and it was all about his option system and stuff like that. So they had a hole to dig out of, and then the portal just destroyed Georgia Tech. I mean, it just it was so bad. But Kennard's one of those guys that. Um, He's gone in there. He's developed really well uh, and has made some plays. So uh, we'll see sort of um, what comes of it. But they love him. They, the South Carolina thinks the world of him. It's 150 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, again, uh, we will continue to kind of monitor the things that are happening. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. and probably be able to have much more on that. But uh, South Carolina right now really looking good in the – NCAA transfer portal. Matter of fact, uh, looking as good as just about anybody in college football uh, as they've begun to met, meet their needs uh, in the transfer portal. Can, can I ask a quick, off, totally off-topic, everything type question to you two? Because I keep seeing this, mm-hmm. and I'm just so glad that I don't really follow this that closely. I don't know what. What is going on in the NBA, and why is everybody so mad at uh, – or maybe they're not mad, but I don't know. But what's going on with Draymond Green? Is he beating – did he get beat up or something? What's happening? I don't care. Yeah. Okay. He, I saw the, the video. He got hit. I can't remember the other player because I don't follow it that well either. But uh, it's pretty tight defense. Draymond said he was kind of pulling at his jersey or whatever, and he just kind of flails around like this with his fist clenched and up and clocks the guy in the face. So, again, Draymond hitting people and punching, like literally punching people in the face. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. so, yeah, he is uh, indefinitely suspended, and, and as well he should be. Yeah, I, uh, I again, I, you know. I don't pay attention to it, but I just keep seeing all this well, stuff. On, and I'm yeah, trying to I mean, I've been too I, lazy to actually go look into it at all. Yeah. So and I'm pretty not good. Going to, that's good enough for me. Yeah. I was like, to- okay, that was, was a good enough explanation. So I'm, 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 yeah. I'm totally satisfied with that. Um, also, uh, from ESPN this morning. The ESPN 2023 freshman All-American team is out, and Jalon Kilgore is in. Uh, he has been named an ESPN freshman All-American. Jalon Kilgore from the University of South Carolina. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I would like to read the names on the defense, and y'all tell me how many of them will be playing in the SEC next year. Uh, hmm. Well, there's a kid from Purdue, but who's we're not worried about him. I'm just kidding. No, that's that's fantastic. These kids deserve the the praise. Dylan Thiemann, 
Jalon Kilgore, Carolina. Jordan Castell, Florida. Caleb Downs, Alabama. Torreon York, A&M. Sunterine Perkins, Ole Miss. Anthony Hill Jr., Texas. I mean, it's the whole defense. Uh, Carolina's going to pretty much see most all of them next year. They'll also see T.J. Parker from Clemson. They're not in the SEC, and nobody's going to let them in. Might not be in the ACC anymore either, but who knows? Who cares, quite frankly, at the end of the day where they end up. Uh, so congratulations uh, to to all those guys, but certainly congratulations to uh, Jalon Kilgore and, uh, and being named a freshman All-American. Uh, for what it's worth, there were uh, three – Freshman All American on the offensive side of the football out of the eight, uh, out of the SEC. So um, that's how many is that? Is that three or four freshman All American teams? Jalon Kilgore's been named to. Yeah, he was Wait. on twenty four seven Sports yeah. True Freshman. Yeah, twenty four seven SEC ESPN. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's what I thought. And Travon Ball was named All SEC uh, on the All SEC freshman team. I'm pretty sure Big Tree did not make that, which I was a little bit surprised by that. But uh, but Trevon Baugh did. So that was very encouraging, very neat uh, to see for him as well. So, you know, there it is. All right, a couple questions left here uh, at the end. Uh, uh, Lauren Simons, hey, Lauren, said Juice Wells left a heart on a Twitter post that said, Juice, you are a Gamecock. That's what I'm saying. You know, we talked about this earlier. It's not over. So we'll see what happens. Um, Xavier asked, where do we stand with the older uh, Kilgore, JC? Uh, maybe. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's what I call a hard maybe. Uh, he wants to play, and I think with him being a safety, he kind of is looking at it going, these guys have a lot of safeties. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so it kind of just kind of depends. So I wouldn't – I wouldn't. And keep in mind, Portal guys are different, just like JUCOs make decisions differently, depending on where exactly they are in their career. There's different criteria they're kind of looking for. Um, and I know that he, he wants to play. So, you know, we'll see see what so happens. So, we'll we, need, we need to go back old school here. We need to go back and, and get – well, they were twins, but brothers would be fine – we need the Overtons and the Kilgores to be half of the starting defense for Gamecock football. I remember a time when the the Brinkleys and the Lindsays were walking around town whipping everyone's ass for looking at them the wrong way. <laughs> at least the Lindsays Jeez, those were. Guys, those guys. Those guys were a couple. I went of to school with those man. cats, dude. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were a couple of cowboys, I, man. I literally had a guy put his arm on my shoulder one time, trying to move me out of the way at the end of a bar, and Jordy looked at him. He goes, "You touch him again, you're going to go through that freaking window." But he didn't say freaking. I looked at, him, I was like, "Dude, I, I don't think he meant that. I think he just, I don't think he knew I was. It's all good, Jordy. Like, you know." I'll just, <laughs> and he meant it. I mean, that would have happened. Oh, oh yeah, he was going to literally throw him through the window at Rocco's. <laughs> you know? well, those two guys, man. Woo. <laughs> I tell you. Oh man. So, anyways, all in the family. Uh, but I tell you what, I'd like to. JC, you who did you who did you you said something about this about somebody? I can't remember what it was. You said he's mean as a rattlesnake. I'm like, well, the the Lindsays were mean as a rat. They wanted to kill everybody. Like literally, they wanted to kill everybody. Um, they just walked around town looking to beat people up. 
So. I yeah, they were they were tough on the field too. Though I mean, Jordan started at DN, kind of they a little bit out of necessity there uh, under uh, so, so did Casper. Casper was out of necessity. Casper DN started too, too and uh, it was effective. And I think the 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 one that got me, Dusty Dusty hurt him, got hurt. I think it was at 06 when Jasper got there and then because Carolina had Jasper, but then they, they kind of struggled in that other linebacker spot until Rodney Paul got there and started playing. But Dusty, like if you notice, he took over for Ricardo Hurley that year, that middle linebacker down the stretch in 05. And it helped the game cut defense quite a bit. Big time. Because quite frankly, Dustin was just better. He just he knew <laughs> that he knew the plays better. Ricardo would get lost and run up the wrong, you know, you got to have eye discipline and stuff to play linebacker. And then he he hurt his knee and then that was it. We never heard from him again. So that was, that was disappointing about those two is that I really think Dustin Lindsay was a hell of a middle linebacker um, and maybe could have even played in the national football league had he continued his uh, trajectory uh, past the first Spurrier year, but he just never, he just never happened. It's never happened. Well, that's so if anybody asks, I said something nice about both those guys. And I that's right. Yeah, you got the rest covered. You're pretty good there. I, I'm just, I'm just not, <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about either one of those guys. You don't man. want to get beat up. I don't blame you. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Hey, you know what? That's the type of mentality you need on defense. So, like, I'm going to whip your you-know-what. And uh, and Carolina's got a couple of those guys, but uh, looking to add some more. So, between now and tomorrow at 11 a.m., we'll keep our eyes on Bron Gatling, wide receiver. We'll keep our eyes on Kyle Kennard, defensive end. We'll keep our eyes on A.J. Swan. We'll keep our eyes on the Howell kid at South Carolina State. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on the uh, tight end at Ball State. We got our eyes everywhere for game football in the portal. They are uh, really trying to do some damage, and they are. They are. They are. Uh, thanks to Derek Scott and Brad Crawford both for joining us today. Thanks to JC for – I don't – guys, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty sure JC has not slept uh, from the email list and the uh, text list that Phil and I received. I woke up this morning and said, jeez, please, JC was doing work. Um, I woke up with emails uh, in my inbox from 5 o'clock hour. I was like, that's 4 hour time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, exactly. I, and I, I, there was two I needed to sit. I was, I, I was like, I actually had some time this morning. I worked on yeah. like yeah, cheap we, stuff, like our stuff. Yeah. I worked on our stuff. Like I know, all that. So, <laughs> so thanks for your hard work, JC. We really appreciate no that. Thanks to Phil. We'll see all of you tomorrow at eleven on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.